Previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. She was like a young Margaret Thatcher. Clearly, um, Leon was using Wii Remote aiming and was able to <laughs> like the exact spot where he needed to shoot. And how great was it to see BO, BOW on BOW action? That's nice though, I like that. That's nice stuff you get. Bollock Knuckle? Comrade X instead of Mr. X. The winner. I just reminded everyone of, of <laughs> beating Batman. That I just know a lot more about Resident Evil than you do. Ada actually says, You know I'm a bitch. Why are you helping me? He just says, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 13 of the Project Umbrella podcast, when we turn to hope she was right by our side. And yes, Finn, I'm always that awesome. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. <laughs> That's the best one you've ever done. Oh, dear. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is the Batman. Hello. Stars Tyrant. Hello. And George Trevor. Hello. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be looking very much in depth at Biohazard 6. We will be looking at all the latest news and then going straight into the main discussion. Finishing off with season two of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. As I said in the last podcast, scores have been reset, so a new series to look forward to. So without further ado, let's crack on with the news. First bit of news is Resident Evil 6 has been released. (laughs) Hence the podcast. The reviews have come out, and uh, mixed bag, I think, is the best way to describe it. Some praising lots of it, some saying bit of shit. I think scores were quite low, three threes out of tens to six out of tens. Seven, I think, was probably the highest generally, I think. Is that right? I don't recall seeing uh, any higher than a six or seven now. I th- yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're going to discuss a lot of this in, in the podcast. I think most reviewers picked up on the fact it's just too much in one game, amongst a plethora of other problems, but we'll get into that. Other news, there is a DLC patch coming out soon, which is going to fix some bugs um, and also allow you to play through as Ada from the beginning, as opposed to unlocking it once you've completed all three campaigns. With a co-op partner. Yes, this a mysterious co-op partner. Do we know who? I think, judging from some leaked pictures, it looks like something like Hunk, a gas-masked sort of soldier kind of guy. I don't know whether it is Hunk. Perhaps that's, it's Goblin 6 only... guy. I think it's, it's just like a generic avatar, though. It's nothing story-related. I don't think no. he won't speak to her or anything like that. Okay, well, that concludes the news. Very short one this week. So let's start our main discussion of Biohazard 6. Biohazard weapons. I'm going to tell them. Everything we know about the Raccoon City incident. But, sir, 
A lot of people are questioning my desire to reveal the truth. I know where they're coming from. And might create more problems than it solves. A lesson I learned well in the military. Bioorganic weapons are a global threat. And we are partly to blame. We have to come clean and start working with the rest of the world if we want to have any chance of fighting this. Whatever you decide, sir, I'm with you. I've always valued your friendship, Leon. It's time we take responsibility and end this mess. It's going to be a tough road. I'm going to start off by saying, so I was playing Resident Evil 6, and I have to say, for the first time since Remake, I did feel that I was back at home with survival horror. All the elements of the tense suspense, the creepy atmosphere are all there. And what's more Resident Evil than playing with Chris Redfield, driving around China in a Jeep, chasing a Mazda MX-5, shooting a machine gun, wielding B.O.W.s. <laughs> oh, just like the good old days. Oh, dear. Absolutely shocking. I didn't like the controls. I didn't like the cover system. I didn't oh, like the yes. H.U.D. I didn't like the inventory. I didn't like the healing options. I didn't like the graphics. I didn't like the Huavo. I didn't like the quick time events. I didn't like Simmons. I didn't like Chris's action. I didn't like what they did to Pierce. I didn't like Jake's scenario. I didn't like Carla. I didn't like the massive B.O.W and I still don't like Cucumber. There is so many things wrong with this game and that's my brief impressions. But feel free, everyone, to chip in with theirs. Do you need my notes for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> George, what did you think? Well, I'm very qualified to talk about this game because I've not completed it and I've made no notes for today's podcast. I'm sorry, other things overtook um, Resident Evil 6. What didn't particularly help was the fact that uh, the game just feels very fractured. I'm frustrated by some of the things they really got right. Leon's campaign is the main one that I've played and to a certain extent I did see the survival horror coming back. I thought some of the BOWs were the best in the series. I thought some of the BOWs were the worst. I mean we've got the fucking what are those Muppet lizard things? I mean they're absolutely ridiculous but then was it Le Potista? Is that it with the I mean what a great I mean some of the best ideas in Resident Evil 6 make you sit up and think why haven't these ideas and techniques been in the series from the start so the idea that a bow can you know this gas deposit that makes nearby survivors into zombies i thought was absolutely fantastic when you're leon and you're coming down into the big party hallway i thought this game in parts was beautifully lit they get away with the graphics being poor compared to resident evil 5 very well i think it's hidden by how well i think they get the lighting in this game when you come down and you've got the balloons and those long tables and it's very quiet for me it was absolutely perfect but so frustrating in the same hand by the fact that you can't interact with your environment to the point where you can't find out bits of history bits of description i mean imagine resident evil 2 without any of the files but you've got to act you know you've got files but you can only access them via a menu there are no in-game files Imagine Resident Evil 2 without any of the descriptions for the RPD, you know, the, the story of Dario Rosso, all those things that really bring alive the environment for you, make it feel multidimensional. I cannot understand the thinking behind dropping the in-game files, dropping the descriptions, because they did get it right in certain extents. I thought it was a fantastic environment. The battle with the, the band of survivors, for me, felt like the end of Walking Dead when they're fleeing the farm. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. But then... Okay, George, uh, George we'll, we'll come back on to it a bit. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just do brief at the moment. Stars Tyrant, what did you think? They're very, very torn. Like I alluded to in the Five podcast, I can always get behind a Resident Evil game, 
you know, not being the best game ever if the story backs it up. And unfortunately, the story in this game is ultimately about nothing. There are no character arcs. You know, characters don't change. They're not in a different place by the end of the game. And ultimately, if the story doesn't really work, then it doesn't matter how good the game is. And I actually have a lot of fun playing the game. There are some nice variations in the uh, campaigns. The vehicle sections seriously need to just go away forever and ever, though. And, uh, yeah, just very, very mixed. Probably the most mixed I've been since Zero and the most apathetic I've been to order games since 4. Batman? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as Sean. The game just has me so divided. In terms of basic gameplay, I actually found a majority of it really fun to play. The advanced controls and combat system make the actual fighting of BOWs much more enjoyable than previous games. But as a standard Biohazard title, I just felt really disappointed. The overall story was shit, (laughs) and the worst of the core series for me, including Resident Evil 4. You know, for a game with four campaigns, seven playable characters, four of which are, you know, pretty well established and much loved. I was shocked that Capcom came up with such a shallow story. The whole Simmons, Carla, Ada Wong plot was completely pointless and just not needed. And even in the trailer where you say you get Carla Radame says Albert Wesker was a complete imbecile and was a fool who tried to take over the world. That was, <laughs> how's her plan any different? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I thought the very idea of Neo Umbrella was just insulting, I thought, and was just totally unnecessary. And now immortalised in my avatar. Oh. Well, <laughs> I actually noticed I was playing as Ada and when you're crawling around the submarine, you see a big rat scurry by and I thought, oh, the DIJ! God. <laughs> The storytelling obviously wasn't helped by the fact that Capcom took the rather odd decision of basically removing the plot from the game and essentially having it as free DLC with Resident Evil.net. Yeah. That brings us quite nicely onto the first kind of major point that we're going to be discussing this evening, the storyline. I think when the first trailers kind of came out, although some people were a bit, you know, lots of characters, but the, the storyline did appear to be quite intriguing. And it's quite conversely, this seems to be Resident Evil 5's, we discussed it on, in that podcast, it's major plus point. Not many, excluding perhaps you, Sean, liked the game. But the storyline, everyone agreed it was the best bit. So we've touched on the new storyline, the, the involvement of Neo Umbrella, the whole Carla aspect, and Simmons, and I will say the family. Well, I don't know. I mean, we always talked about how Metal Gear Solid it's getting. I mean, is this taking it even too far with someone higher than the US authority almost and controlling? And it, what was everyone's thought on the kind of Simmons family angle? It's just so unnecessary because it doesn't do anything to the plot, you know. And if this family apparently shaped the course of human civilization, that apparently didn't have any people whatsoever in Umbrella or, you know, any major event in the series, you don't hear from them until Resident Evil 6. If they were that powerful, they would have had people in Umbrella. Yeah. You know, they would have had people in Tricell. They would have had people all over the place. It's just, it's just silly. It's just not needed. Unless there's going to be some major retconning coming up. Resident Evil 7 or something. Like, oh yes, that Frederick Downing family member. You know, it could get quite stupid. But yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not quite up to date with Simmons, but he's always been in the government as, you know, chief, whatever he is. And was he the leader of the family? He is the leader of the family. And their goal is to sort of preserve uh, human stability and American dominance, so it would seem. So that is quite Metal Gear Solid, isn't it? Yeah. The kind of patriots. And Carla Radame wants to destroy the world simply because it will ruin Simmons and his family's stable human world. Yeah. The family seems to be quite wealthy as well because they seem to have a fleet of helicopters. 
Well, one of the things the game doesn't explain is how Neo Umbrella was so well funded and how they could build this multi-million dollar underwater facility. I, I think you're being generous. It multi billion multi-billion i mean you've got magma at the bottom flowing from under the water you know just minding its own business this would be destroying things this would be destroying metal parts very difficult to create a mustafa type system in on earth <laughs> you know let's be honest here but no there it is and then you know you just go and fight your snack down there yeah no problems no problems and i don't know i don't know it's always bordering on the obscene and the stupid how that was even created with you know with the, i don't even think technology even in the Resident Evil universe, could create such a place. But There's presence for that as well, isn't there? Because you've got the missile silos that um, Morpheus Duval apparently built, you know, un- under the sea. So, I mean, we've had thoughts to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, even the kind of oil rigs a bit, again, Metal Gear solid and then you kind of go underwater, and you've got, as you said, a bit like the biosphere from Dead Aim. But with Jake's scenario, you see, well, you kind of almost go into the centre of the Earth, don't you? ridiculous and just that type of thing would be destroyed there's no way i I just don't think there's material strong enough to support everything i will say in in going back to simmons i think as a character he's established brilliantly i like the idea that you know there is a guy in the government that is is so on high that our heroes would struggle to try and take him out and they piss all of that away the moment he gets a syringe in his neck and Mm. he just becomes generic resident evil boss again just what a waste of an opportunity you know he could have been the new series villain for a, a good couple of games and it, i just uh, don't think they had any idea with what to do with him let's no. just like, make him a I mean, the, way that, the way he was introduced as well for me was just ridiculously weak in the sense that there was again you know there's no character arc or even arc in terms of our realization of, of what type of character he's going to be because you know the, the minute he walks on on stage you, you can see immediately the way he's, he's dramatized that he that he's an enemy the ridiculous what is that thing around his neck like colonel sanders that kind of <laughs> well it's, it's the family serpent crescent isn't it mm. yes yeah, so you knew straight away that he was a baddie yeah I, I didn't like that there could have been a little bit more reveal or you know kind of a twist to the plot from you know the player's point of view sure but i mean let's rewind a bit and go okay what were the key things we hoped for storyline wise from resident evil 6 and which ones were actually revealed i mean the key one being who does ada work for has that been answered no no i think they've played their last card with ada like that in terms of her being a mystery i think the next time she turns up going to start after having some answers with her now because they've done it too much now and it's become a bit of a pantomime to be honest yeah yeah, it's almost becoming a parody of herself, isn't she? Yeah, slightly, slightly taking the pee as to who. What were the other questions we wanted to answer? Uh, the kind of US government involvement. Yeah. I suppose we got kind of, didn't we? We I like the president at the beginning. That's about the only thing the game actually does have any impact on the rest of the series. It does answer that question really, and it you know the files do highlight some good things. Cherry's background being revealed is about the best thing in terms of raw meat we get out of the storyline. I think. Yeah in this game so i mean and then we've got if you look at each kind of area starting off with tall oaks the story there was vague we had um that funny gas emitting thing can't remember the name of these all leopards yes yeah so he was deployed in tall oaks to spread well to zombify everyone was this used as a shield screen to get rid of president benford yeah but don't need japanese files go into that in a bit more detail because don't the English files, and we need Newsbot here really for this, the English files have omitted the um, rivalry that's going on between the US and Chinese government. So I think Simmons engineers a bio-attack in America and a bio-attack in China so he can show the world how better equipped 
the Americans are at dealing with one. Oh, okay. I think this is what it's getting at in the Japanese files. Really? I must have missed that. I didn't think Simmons had anything to do with what happens in China. Yeah, because he tells... Oh, hang on. When when, he, when Ada gets told during the beginning of her campaign that there'll be two bio-attacks, is that still Carla talking to her at that yeah, point? Yeah, that, that's Carla talking to her. That's no. not Simmons. Mm. That's why we really need Paul here. Because I think what happens is, um, soon after Simmons talks to Leon and Helena, just after you defeat Deborah, and basically tells them your suspects in Benford's murder, it's right after Ada leaves them, she contacts the real Simmons to say, you know, your crazy little doppelganger of me is running mental in China. And that's why he suddenly jumps ship and gets on the first plane to China. Ah, yeah, so maybe he's not actually got anything to do with it then. Ah, yeah. So Lang Shang incident is the... It's Carla then. It's Carla yeah. with Neo Umbrella. Yeah. And there's almost like, there's two waves of attack in Lang Shang, isn't there? I kept getting confused because it keeps... I did. It keeps referencing different places and I thought, are they talking about different cities here or just different districts? Yeah, Tai Chi. Yeah. Tai Chi and... And uh, Wing Yip or whatever it is. But... Uh, Basically, the Tall Oaks thing happened because obviously Benford was going to reveal the truth about Raccoon City and Simmons believed that would lead to the US never being trusted again. They'd lose all the leverage in, you know, the uh, political ladder and, uh, you know, they'd never be trusted again, basically. And he used the family to put pressure on Benford, but Benford still ignored him. So then, instead of just killing him, taking him out, stage a bioterrorist attack. As, as, as Why not does. just have Helena throw a grenade into his office or something? Yeah. <laughs> Leon, where are you? Simmons there. Yes. Hunnigan, you need to be careful. I think he's the one who and did I all. hear my name. The president spoke highly of you, Agent Kennedy. Likewise. He told me you've been friends for 30 years. Tell me, is it true you were the only ones present at the time of his death? What are you saying? Well, you must be aware that you are both suspects in this attack. What? Agent Harper. At the time of the attack, you had abandoned your post. Leaving the president vulnerable. You must admit such behavior is suspicious. You son of a bitch! You're the one who plans all this! With what evidence could you base such an outrageous accusation? I am the National Security Advisor. It's my job to prevent terrorist attacks, not cause them. You liar! Lena, if the two of you feel so strongly about your innocence, then you should have no problem turning yourselves in. And then, obviously, in I'm just trying to remember, going back to Leon's, in when Chris and that lot turn up in Langshang. There's people still being evacuated. Yeah. Yeah, and that's quite, I like I like that moment. I thought that was quite good. That worked very well. And that's before the gas attack, which turns yeah. all into zombies. At the moment, it's only kind of semi being overrun by Huavo because you do get the impression that the city's still going on with its life because obviously the the monorail's still going. You know, trains are still going by, cars are still moving around. So there's a lot of BOWs going around. Um, and that's what obviously you encounter. But then when Neo Umbrella fire their weapon, then it spreads and then everyone turns into zombies. That was my understanding of it. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure if I've missed like... Because you, you don't really see the Juavo, do you, in Leon's? Um, I don't think you do at all. No. So that that's what I think that's what confused me because you really should be. It harks back to the days, why don't you see liquors in Resident Evil 3? But yeah, you should, you don't see any Juavo in with Leon's, or do you? I think you see a couple in uh, Chapter 4, after you fight the Eustonac with uh, 
Jake and Sherry. Right. You fight the, uh, is it the Rascla Plapangi or whatever it is in in the market. I think, yeah, I like that moment. And I, I enjoyed that moment, but I don't know. To me, it just kind of felt like a, a monster taken from Silent Hill. Did you well, yeah. Yeah. Hark back to a regenerator. Yeah. Well, I, I thought the underwater POWs, the Sloppy Joes, I called them, they were a bit like the regenerators, weren't they? Down in the underwater base. Yeah, it's the same creature, isn't it? Yeah. Right, anyway, so moving on from... Well, obviously, we're going to talk about the story anyway as we go on. But what does everyone think the you know, the overall picture and the implication for the series is going to be? How can we move on? I mean, this, this was really advertised as the global biohazard threat. And I suppose you did get that. But it's no more global than Wesker's plan. I think the problem is they had a great angle with bioterrorism. But I think already in, like, two games and two movies, they've they've exhausted it already. Yeah. I think it needs to just sort of go now. Yeah, that's spot on, that. Would you like Resident Evil 7 to start, basically, the prologue going, after this, there was no bioterrorism activities for the next 20 years or something, and then it's brought under control. The BSA were no longer needed, and then maybe we have a a slight random incident in one city that people have forgotten Racking City or something. Well, in, In my opinion, there's only two ways you can go. There's Make It Bigger, which you'd basically have to have some sort of global outbreak and turn the whole series into some sort of post-apocalyptic survival game. That's the only way you could really make it bigger in scale and different. Or you go back to your sort of Resident Evil 1, have a smaller story in a contained situation with a a core cast of strong characters that you actually give a shit about. I would agree. I think there's very little else that can be done. And the danger is, as you said, the post-apocalyptic world. Again, you're treading into the movie series, aren't we? Yeah. Um, the worst thing that could happen, I think. And to be fair, it looks like promoting another game, but Naughty Dog's The Last of Us looks like that's going to be properly post-apocalyptic. That looks superb. I mean, my biggest problem with Resident Evil 6 is, if you look at Resident Evil 5, it did a quite a good job of tying up the Resident Evil 1 storylines. You know, yes. Wesker, Spencer, Umbrella, Progenitor, all that stuff. Maybe it was, you know, ignorance on my part, but I expected Resident Evil 6 to do the same for the Resident Evil 2 storylines, you know, with Leon and Ada and the government. Sherry. Yeah, but it just hasn't done it. It's just another standalone title. You know, since Resident Evil 5, they had a clean slate to work with that could have built up a new villain a new story arc, and since Resident Evil 5 we've had, I know you've got excuses of games being in development with different teams at different times and whatnot, but you know, it's not hard to communicate in this day and age. Nice. We've had Dark Side Chronicles, we've had the Resident Evil 5 DLC with Alex Wesker and all that crap, we've had Revelations, we've had Operation Raccoon City, and we've had Damnation. And out of all them, Capcom have made no attempt to start a new long-standing plotline. Personally for me, and this is probably coming from the back of seeing Skyfall last night, but I'd like to actually see the next game to go into sort of a more a spy thriller, if you like, with people working behind the scenes and turning, instead of having like a, a, a huge war, have it more like the Cold War where people are working like Ada in the background and then you could maybe, it'd be a perfect environment to bring Alex Wesker back. You know, just actually have, instead of having huge outbreaks where there's big full-scale battles, you know, actually have it more stripped back and low-key and you actually have the perfect platform to bring back the survival horror aspects of the series again. The next game needs to be stripped back in both story and gameplay. Well, I think you were saying, Batman, to me, you like when you first go down to the underwater section, you were hoping that it would have been Alex Wesker there, which would have been quite a nice little touch. Well, I actually played through the game in its proper story order. I um, played Chris 1, and then when I first got the game, then I had to go away for the weekend. And then when I came back, I 
did all the Adonia levels, then all the Tall Oaks levels, then all the China levels. And when you complete Chapter 4 of each... How do you do that? I thought you couldn't do that. Well, when you get to China, obviously, events cross over and happen at the same time. But obviously, Adonia happens first. So you play Jake 1, Chris 2, Jake 2. Then... Can you do... No, no, that's what I meant. Can, that's can how actually... I did it. Can you actually do that? Stop out of campaigns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, just end game and then start another one. Oh, oh. And it worked a lot better for me doing it like that. I should say it did with you, John. It gives you a greater appreciation of structure and... Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I, I just I went through all of Leon. Okay, I might do that. And the story, it does shape up to be quite epic, obviously. I, I really enjoyed all the Adonia levels. And then you play the first three levels of Leon's campaign up until Tall Oaks gets bombed. And then you play the first couple of Chris's. And it sounds as though it's shaping up to be something really epic. And especially when you finish Chapter 4 of each character. Because I didn't know anything about the game. All of a sudden, you've still got a chapter left for each character. Plus all of Ada's campaign. Simmons is apparently dead. Carla Radame is dead. And the Eustonac is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought Capcom have pulled off a masterstroke. There's a completely final third of the game we've never seen in any trailers or videos. And when Chris starts referencing Wesker when he's going down the uh, on the oil rig, going taking the yeah. lift underground, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. It's going to be Alex Wesker. Neo Umbrella is going to be all his thing. And that would make sense. And it just wasn't. The last chapters was just, yeah, let's bring Simmons back. Let's bring Kyle back. Let's bring Houston back and just have boss fight after boss fight yeah. after boss fight merged with the vehicle section, merged with some quick time events. I think we should dedicate a whole section to the vehicle sections because there's a lot of angst oh. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to the characters in particular, because I think when, obviously, we've touched on Alex Wesker, everyone thought, it's Alex Wesker, Alex Wesker, or something like that, and then it's Albert Wesker's son. You know, th- the face palm you could collectively hear around the world was immense. But can I just say, he and the use of Sherry, probably the saviours of the game. I really liked Jake, and I thought he wasn't totally milked. Because everyone was expecting superpowers and that, right? He doesn't. He's just a normal guy that was part of the Adonia revolution. Carla gave him the C-virus and nothing happened. Then then she worked out that that was Wesker Jr. But apart from that, I think he was handled particularly well. Considering the expectations were so low for him, I think, before it came out. It, it, he just came across as a lot better than I thought he would. And I liked it. And I liked his ending when he put on his sunglasses and drove off. I thought, yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> shit, shit. No! <laughs> I thought Jake was possibly the best part of the game, actually. But that's just me. I just think it would be nice to get to know these characters, you know, over a period of games, as John was saying before, that there seems no attempt to establish a storyline across a couple of main titles. You know, we were introduced to a whole set of new characters in Revelations. We're introduced to a whole set of new characters in this game. And, I, you know, I just don't see any difference between Helena Harper and, you know, a counterpart in Revelations. You know, fantastic to see Sherry back, but other than files that, you know, you access from a third-party site, you know, how much, you know, do they really do with Sherry in the actual game? You know, huge, I think, huge mistake not to include Alex Wesker and, and have something, you know, kind of linked back with, with the previous game. And, you know, to me, there wasn't the time to get to know these characters particularly well for me. I don't know. I, I didn't mind the characters and the relationships they had with each other. You could tell Capcom put quite a bit of effort in, you know, the relationship between Chris and Pierce was quite interesting, I thought. I like Pierce. You know, the whole passing of the torch thing and i think capcom took on board you know past criticisms of chris being you know one-dimensional and not having much of a personality and uh, he's got by far the most interesting character arc in this game i think jake when i first heard that he was wesker's son i was appalled by the idea yep. i was disgusted but <laughs> he did grow on me and i don't mind him in the game and i enjoy 
his relationship with Sherry. You know, I even thought bringing Sherry back was a little bit unnecessary. I know she had the G virus antibody, but I thought, is it really that important? But fair play, I thought Capcom handled her really well. And it still sounded like Sherry as well, didn't you think? Yeah. <laughs> was it the same voice actor? I don't know, but it, it, it did sound like her. But you could easily believe, you know, it was a grown-up version of the little girl we saw in Resident Evil 2. You know, it didn't yeah. feel like it was totally unrelated. But the actual fact that it was Sherry, how did that actually image on the game? Because other than the fact that she just shares, you know, it, it's the replication of a name that you have in Resident Evil 2. The actual significance that it was Sherry Birkin, daughter of, of William Birkin, the actual significance of that character, there's no real part in that game. It could have been any girl in, in that role. It's very true. I think uh, it, that was just done, like John said in a previous podcast, it was just so you could have Wesker and Birkin together again. Well, both Jake and Sherry are captured and experimented on for six months. How throwaway is that, though? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it has no impact on anything, does it, really? Is there any files to show what they did? They basically took Jake's blood to make the C-virus even more potent, didn't they? Right. But, it, I mean, it is quite an important plot point. It is ridiculous how they're trapped for six months and then suddenly escape so easily. But, um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's quite important on the plot because that's when Carla actually betrays Simmons in the fact that he sends her to Adonia to get Jake. And even though she captures Jake, she doesn't take him at Simmons. She pretends she hasn't found him or he's died in the helicopter crash and then secretly takes him back to this neo-umbrella base in China, which Simmons knows nothing about. And she secretly enhances the C-virus without telling him. For me, the characters are both the saving grace and one of the worst things about the game. I love the interactions they have with each other. There, I think, as a series fan, to hear Chris mention Claire speak to Sherry for the first time. I can't believe he's never heard of Ada, though. To have Leon and Chris meet on screen, you know, it's a great moment for the series and for the fans. It's a bit brief, but, you know, that's by the wayside. And Sherry talking about Claire and Leon. These are great things that, as a series fan, I think we get the most out of things like that. But the biggest problem is that, ultimately, their arcs are pointless. Chris starts off, arguably the best a character has ever started off in a game. But by the end of the game, he ends exactly the same place he was at the beginning of you know res 5 the whole sequence he has with Piers about passing on the torch i thought this is a great way for him to bow out of the series and well we all know what happens uh, yeah. you know leon's in the game he has no arc at all helena is responsible for the tall oaks incident but she's cleared by the end of it and it doesn't have any impact on her at all and and that's the biggest problem with the characters they just have no arc the story is about nothing National Security. Sherry Birkin, you were in Raccoon City. How do you know that? Claire. Wait, are you Chris? My sister's told me all about you. Chris, the man is a wanted insurgent. Yes, he's a mercenary, but right now he's under the protection of the U.S. government. He's no threat to the BSAA. Unless someone pays me to be. What did you just say? What? Nothing. I think can't help but feel, sorry, George, uh, you know, you're going down with Chris and Piers. You've gone to the underwater bit. You're told, you know, we can tr try and make a vaccine. I thought, okay, there they go. And then you're fighting Sloppy Joe Aqua giant version. And then 
Piers goes and gets infected, which you go, fine, fair enough. And then I said, like, oh, no, don't do it, Piers, fine, you've done it. But never fear, because I remember going, ah, never fear. You know, we're bound to bump into um, Jake and Sherry again, and they would have made a vaccine by now, because that's the whole premise of you going there, to rescue them, to make a vaccine. And I just don't see why they bothered not to do that. I think because a lot of the things almost appear to be done for effect, that, you know, there are a lot of promising ideas, but they don't seem to be followed through intelligently. I mean, does anyone else feel a slight anti-climax after the initial meet between Leon and Chris? Um, that, you know, there's this incredible build-up. Um, they're together on the, on the screen, you know, as you say, for the first time. And after that sort of initial little fight they do, and then they realise who's who, nothing's really done with that. You know, they just simply go their separate ways. So, again, it just felt that that was almost done for effect. Well, that whole scene was purely done for fan service. And basically, it leads quite nicely onto talking about Carla as a character. And for me, the only reason that they made Carla look like Ada or they changed, you know, Simmons changed her to look like Ada was purely so they could have that scene. I think it was purely so they had a reason for Ada to come in the game because Clapcom clearly don't know what to do with the character. Mm, Did you guys see that producer's interview with the head, uh, one of the producers of Res4 talking about the original plans for the game? Have you seen it? Oh yeah, with it's, the, uh, the it, ball, it's ball. frightening. Yeah. The original plan for Chris was to actually have him die at the end of the game, which you um, correct, correctively predicted, Batman, that he wouldn't die. Well, I knew Capcom um, wouldn't have the balls to do it. I knew it. I wanted. They it didn't to die. do it. Yeah, they didn't do it because they felt it'd be too predictable, and they would have felt that the fans would have realised that they only brought him back for dramatic effects. So they made Piers the fall guy then. And the original plan for Ada. And this is brilliant. This is genius. You're going to love this, Nick, if you've not heard this yet. <laughs> the original Ada plan was to have there be five different Adas in Res 6. Oh, wonderful. And, and it would have been revealed at the end of the game that each time we've seen Ada in the series, it's been a different one. And that at the end of the game, all five Adas must have to fight. And you're not really sure which one at the end is the survivor. Fuck oh, Christ. <laughs> well, that would have been... That just makes no logical sense, because how would then Ada, in, for example, the Resident Evil 4 version of Ada, share dialogue with Leon that relates back to what Ada exactly. and Resident Evil 2 did? Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> Am I happy they changed that? And then I think it would have been very hard for Newspot to say that there's not bits of the movie creeping I mean, in. I was disappointed by the fact that, you know, I mean, good luck to the Doctor and Hieronymus trying to do another biology of evil, you know, relating to how and on what basis the mutations occur, with, you know, within Simmons, for example. I mean, that for me was a real, real letdown. You know, we've had before a slight suggestion that um, the intentions and the character, you know, of a subject will determine the, the mutations that they occur. But with Simmons, it, it was just absolutely ridiculous and, and almost completely kind of destroyed the integrity, or you know, of the virus that caused those mutations. It's clear. He, he was just a Barney fan when he was younger. Mm. <laughs> that last boss fight, I have never spent longer on a boss fight. Half an hour. Genuinely, that took me half an hour. And was that on easy as well, Nick? On easy as well. It wasn't particularly difficult. Oh, yeah, of course, on easy mode. Yeah, straight the way through. It took so long to work out what the hell, what you're supposed to... I mean, obviously, you worked out quickly that there's a lightning rod. And you're like, fine, I've got to use this lightning rod. But then the secret was to then impale a zombie on this lightning rod so he ingests it and you're like fine that causes a lot of damage and i was like wow that's great but after 20 minutes i was thinking he's not really getting hit here you think that's bad nick wait till you revisit that level as ada and have to do the dinosaur fight as ada what? it's about half an hour long <laughs> just sat in the helicopter with the fire button pressed down yeah that's all you do it took me so long i might have even had to have looked on game facts or something because it was it's just starting to piss me off because obviously there's an infinite supply of zombies coming 
which means there's an infant supply of ammo and health. And then I, was, I must be doing something wrong here. And I, I don't understand. I was following all the prompts from Leon. We can use this lightning rod. Yes, I have been for the last 20 minutes. What's going on? Every time he grabs hold of a zombie... It regenerates, yeah. yeah. And you have to kill the zombies, but I know what you mean. There's nothing obvious that makes you suggest that you've got to do that. The suggestion was you had to obviously get him zapped by the lightning once, and then he spits out the lightning rod again, and then you've got like a minute, if that, to then pick up the rod again, impale another zombie, and then he'll grab it again, still healing from the last one. Yeah, but he only grabs that one if you kill all the other zombies in the area. Oh, does it? Oh, I might have done it more luck than judgment then. <laughs> <laughs> because if he grabs a zombie without the lightning rod in it, it just helps him regenerate. It took so long. I was going to say, have you noticed with the boss fights, you maybe have noticed this during your run-throughs, that if you've been struggling on a boss, sometimes it will die with your very last bullet in your inventory. That happened to me on three occasions, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, and I wonder if there's something in place within the game where if you have to retry a number of times as soon as you expend your last bullet. Because I was doing it with the Chaos fight, which is a creature at the end of Chris's campaign, that initial one in the this huge circular arena I died about seven times just simply because I didn't have enough ammo and then on about must have been the eighth ninth attempt or whatever it died literally as my last pistol bullet hit it and I wondered if that was a maybe it could be and it, you know something they've put in the game so I, I wonder if that's why some of the boss fights are artificially longer if it's based on how much ammo you've got sometimes I mean I also felt that my interaction with the boss fights was slightly artificial i mean for example with the first with leon and your first battle with snack did you not feel that your contribution uh, was almost not needed um, i kind of felt that really however much ammo i unleashed upon him it didn't really make much difference you know, almost got the feeling that I, I could have fired i didn't have to fire the, the real time events would have been the same you know however my involvement really was i've played it co-op with a, a few people and we're playing it split screen on wednesday and we were doing chapter four on professional and we were in the simmons fight on the train the first attempt we pumped so much ammo into him it was unbelievable and we ended up having no ammo left at the end and just you know trying to pick him off with i can't even remember i think we didn't even have any bullets left to fight him so we had to retry i think and then the second time we did it he died almost instantly and we had tons of ammo left so the difficulty seems all over the place i really i don't get it how it works sometimes Well, moving quickly back to the characters, because there's a few more I wanted to quickly talk about. We've touched on Leon. I think Leon is one of these characters where he actually got a bit more humanisation, I thought, in this one. I thought his jokes were a bit funnier. But... Oh, man, the fucking constant quips really <laughs> I just felt he was a bit more human than previous. But I, I think you're right, Stars. Pointless. He could have been anyone. And there was no arc development with him at all. And he was just, again, there. Yeah, because, I mean, what would have been quite interesting was his relationship with the president. But obviously, you know, you get none of that. And um, again, you know, that kind of I would have liked the, the focus on the events of Racket City and, and the, the government's role in the cover up. And, and that's kind of, you know, basically after the flashback, that's kind of lost. I'd like to know what Leon knows as well, because, I mean, obviously he's quite high up as an agent, but there's no reason for him to know that the US government were buying BOWs. Why would anyone tell him? Yeah, well, maybe he did know because previous government administrations were more corrupt than the the current one i i, I, I agree I, th- I think he does know but why would he know why would anyone well, know because him? because benford obviously trusts him i mean benford was a high-ranking government official during the events of raccoon city you know it's popular fan theory that he's the guy in leon's epilogue that recruits him into the government oh yeah you know there's a file in the game that says they're very close friends and that benford is one of the few people leon actually opened up to about the raccoon incident there's quite a nice file where leon even mentions he actually considered committing suicide yep 
during the events of Resident Evil 2, but he kept going for Sherry's sake. I thought that was a really nice little touch and quite dark. But yeah, I mean, it all goes down to the, the corruption of the government. I mean, yes, they did touch upon the government's involvement with bioweapons and the whole Raccoon City conspiracy, but a lot of the actual bowel development was passed over onto the family. I mean, in terms of the government, you had the original president was forced to resign over the Raccoon City incident. Then, yeah, then you had another administration who came in that took quite a firm anti-umbrella stance. You know, they put the suspension of business decree on them. He gave Leon that antivirus weapon protocol thing that's in Dark Side Chronicles, where he was tasked to eradicate all of Umbrella's viruses. Then you had President Graham's administration. And then once Umbrella was gone and, you know, no one seemed to care about bioterrorism, I, th- I don't know, it's, it's a mess. Mm. But we don't even know when Benford came to power. No. And then we've got Hannigan as well. I liked Hannigan in this. I, I liked her kind of role. She seems to get a lot more in this. I liked her little involvement. It was quite good. She's just one of those characters who turns up and she helps make the world feel a bit more real and consistent. But it is nice that they keep bringing her back for things like yeah. RE4 yeah. and Damnation as well. And I, th- I think that's that's quite nice. I mean, one thing I didn't get was when Leon says, oh, can you, uh, can you help us? Can you fake our deaths? Mm. And then the next minute he's on a plane full of US government agents. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I've never thought about that before. (laughs) (laughs) That whole plane sequence, I did, I did, I like that actually. Oh, I love the plane sequence. I have to say, I mean, I have a fear of flying, so it was, it was, it was fantastic for me. I thought that was. That hasn't helped. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But no, I, I I thought that was brilliant. Really enjoyed the the way you kind of staggering about, and obviously you knew that on your return back from that imposter fight that all the you know passengers are going to be zombies. But even though that was obvious, I, I thought it was a great touch. You know, putting survival horror. In a great environment for me, you know, a plane going down. I thought that's fantastic. And I, I think we should have a special mention to a lot of the NPCs. There's a lot of NPCs in this, and I think they really help make the game. Whether it be in Leon's with the survivors of Tall Oaks or the minor BSA agents. Yeah, I liked uh, Finn McCauley as well. I was actually gutted when he died, even though you knew yeah, you knew it, you knew it was coming, obviously. But he definitely did that well because I yeah, when some of the survivors started to die, I generally felt for them. So you they did. did that. Oh, yeah. And I like the fact that Marco was obviously with Chris, but then he was mentioned in Leon's story as, oh, my son is in the BSAA. Yeah, that was a nice touch. But then it would have been fantastic to have, you know, read in-game files, giving a bit of, you know, the history of some yeah. of these characters. And I uh, I like the police officer in Leon's first chapter where he's like, God damn it, it's my first day in the job and I walk into this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a nice reference. Um, I was rooting for the Tall Oak survivors. I was gutted at the beginning of Chapter 2. Yeah. yeah. But I was actually quite pleased in the cathedral where you can actually save some of them. You get a trophy, don't you? Yeah. I thought, oh, you can't do anything here. They're all die regardless, but you can you can actually save some of them, which was nice. Who did I save? I had the woman talking to her daughter. You'll have got the achievement for it, then. Oh. That's what you have to do. You have to make sure they both stay alive. Oh, good. So we've got them. The survivors, obviously, you get the very stereotypical don't come in my shop kind of moment, as, as in all kind of zombie outbreaks. But you did get the impression, you know, that the NPCs were helpful. You know, it did help take down a lot of stuff in the shops. And certainly with the BSAA, obviously, you had the, you know, Finn being the, uh, the bomb guy. I think it will work quite nice. The only criticism I had about that was I would have liked to have got to know more of Chris's team considering when you first jump off the helicopter in China you're like with six different men Uh, yeah you carry them through the first level and then it's one of my favorite moments in the game where your team's getting picked off one by one by the snake but because you don't know you're not given the chance to get to know any of these characters you don't really care when they die it's a standout moment from the game I think the snake actually it's one of the the very best sequences in the game 
I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought as a boss battle, it was fantastic yeah. using your laser sight to try and find it. Because that's one of the classic things, isn't it, about you know horror writing? You get to know the characters, you get to care about them, and then you know they're going to die and they're going to get picked off one by one. Yeah. That's where you know you really start to feel it, but you're not given the chance with Chris because even the developers said, "Oh yeah, Leon's got classic horror. The horror in Chris's story is different because it's about him being part of a team, and as you go through the game, his team gets whittled down." Till it was just him and Pierce left. But because yeah, I only felt that with Marco, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because he gets a, a brief mention, and I think you hear the names of some other guys. But other than that, it would have been nice for them in the first level to have a bit of banter with each other, you know, just so just to give them all a little personality. I don't think it helped that most of them a team were like completely with helmets, so you didn't know who they were. Yeah. And you know, you knew they were going to die. I think they did that purposefully, so you knew Finn, especially, you knew his face. The, the others were just like, I said, generics. Marine, weren't they? Yeah, imagine if Chris had had like a, a sort of specialist team where they all wear different uniforms like stars. You, that would have probably helped a lot to, you know, to get to, to know each one as an individual. Because even though we didn't know that much of the Bravo team, they were so recognisable with their uniform and their colours that, you know, you knew each one upon visual recognition. You know, like when you came across Forest's body each time, you know, each time you played it, you knew that was Forest. Yeah. Problem That's- with having an identical uniform is you can't differentiate. It's one of the biggest criticisms people have about the torrent of war games that are out at the minute. Call of Modern Warfare Duty. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to move the conversation swiftly on. One of the many things, and I will quote Newsbot here, can Capcom stop fucking introducing new organisations? Well, they seemingly know, because unfortunately Resident Evil 6 is now littered with new organisations which we've touched upon. The DSO, the FOS, Neo Umbrella, the Family, and the Adonian Liberation Army. We should take each one in turn. So we're looking at the kind of government forces. We've got the DSO and the FOS. I can't remember what they even stand for. DSO is basically Division of Security Operations. It's basically the government's version of the BSAA, isn't it? Wasn't that the FBC that absorbed into it or something? Well, it was. it's similar to what FBC used to be, but they're not directly related. Um, right. But it's basically an organisation that Benford and Leon formed to uh, basically combat all dangers threatening the US. I think Leon is the leading field agent and the field operations support is like the admin stuff that support them. Obviously, you've got Hunnigan in that. Uh, So was he always part of that, even in Resident Evil 4? No, because it wasn't formed until uh, 2011. Is it post-damnation then? Yeah, and um, they're basically an anti-bioterrorism force, I think. And obviously Sherry Birkin is an agent of the DSO as well. And the FOS? That's the field operation support, which is uh, it's basically, you know, the Hunnigan row and the voice at the other end of the radio, basically. Do we have any history between where we found Sherry at the end of Resident Evil 2? And I know the Wesker's report is incorrect in terms of saying she's with, you know, she's in Wesker's hands. She's in the hands of the US government at the end of Resident Evil 2, isn't she? So there's this kind of any explanation as to how she finds herself now as a government agent? Yeah, um, Simmons becomes her legal guardian okay. after the capture in Resident Evil 2 at the end. She's in captivity by the government until 2009 until Wesker dies and once they've confirmed Wesker's death she's allowed to be released because they deem it that he's not going to be looking for her anymore and no longer needs her. But she's only allowed to be released on the condition she becomes an agent of the government so they can still keep an eye on her basically. Mm. So there are are links. Most of Sherry's background's great in the files. It's really good. It's nice to know Claire's been 
looking after her ever since Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if Claire will ever come back with Sherry. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Sherry's like maybe the future of the series. But is, is there not some old reference somewhere in some file that Sherry actually is critical of the fact that, that soon after the events of Resident Evil 2, Claire just basically buggers off? No, because she doesn't. The files say how Claire has been always looking after her, visits her on a regular basis. And... Sorry, Scars, not in this game. I mean, in, in a previous reference, in a previous game, I'm, I'm sure. No? No, I don't think so. Definitely. I don't recall one. The epilogue in Resident Evil 2 just has her sitting on the windowsill saying, oh, she'll come back. I know she will. Okay, so looking at the the BSAA question we've got here in the notes is how much has it moved on since Bio 5 and Revelations for that matter? Seems to me that it's still like if it's a major important biohazard event send in the BSAA and they are just basically this version stars to an extent. Yeah, one of the things I found interesting was I was wondering, you know, watching the trailers and the build up to the game coming out, I was wondering, you know, why is the North American branch of the BSAA in Adonia, why are they in China? You know, when you've already got the Asian branch and the Eastern Europe branch. And obviously they gave Chris a good reason for being in Africa during Resident Evil 5. But it's explained in the files. There's quite a nice file where it's, um, it says, you know, there's uh, quite a bit of tension between the US government and the BSAA and how the government won't let the North American branch get involved in domestic bioterrorism incidents because they like to sort of cover it up themselves and, um, you know, deal with it themselves. Like there's a nice reference to how the government didn't allow the BSAA to come to Harvardville during the events of degeneration. And also the BSAA were denied the opportunity to come to Tall Oaks as well because the government wanted to clean it up themselves. And the government basically said, because you've got experience with the Juavo in Adonia, get your asses to China. Mm. And and there was another nice file as well about the actual meeting between Chris and Leon. Hunnigan's talks about it as a way to diffuse tension between the BSAA and the government. And it actually confirms that Leon and Chris didn't meet face to face for the first time till at least after the events of Biohazard 4 and probably even Degeneration. Yeah, and it's Claire that sets that meeting up. Yeah. As part of a terror save initiative, isn't it, or something? Yeah, so I would guess that it would be soon after the events of Degeneration, which would be tail end of 2005. Which is great. And why is that only available on the website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is. There's too much information. Is that all canon? Yeah, yeah, it's all canon. It's all written by the... It's basically the full versions of the files that should be in the game. I'm wondering if the game is just missing a next page button as a form of glitch (laughs) or something, because it is literally the files end halfway in-game. You know, it's almost like the same line break on every file. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense why they've done it, because Resident Evil Net is a free service, so Capcom aren't really getting anything out of it. I mean, the only I'm not interested in statistics and all that shit. I only registered to get the files. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the references go so far, don't they? Yeah. You've got Damnation reference, a Mahawa Desire yes, reference. We did, you know, like, we did like the Desire reference. That was good. It's, it's crazy how far it goes. Yeah. You know, links to Degeneration is great. Was there anything to Revelations? I don't think there is. Uh, no, nothing. I think the slight FBC reference, I think, I mentioned last podcast. The FBC were mentioned in five, though, weren't they? Were they? Yeah, they're in the... Oh, no, I'm, I'm thinking of the Global Pharmaceutical Consortium, sorry. Which is a mistranslation, Sean. Mm, it is, you're right. Right, moving on to Neo Umbrella, then. Apart from it being a great idea, bringing back, <laughs> <laughs> apart from bringing back Umbrella, this appears to be a private venture by Carla. Yeah... It's very, very strange. Even the files say, yeah, Neo Umbrella, reasons unknown, funding unknown. So it doesn't really help. <laughs> We've touched on the funding. This vast underwater complex would cost billions. 
you've got not a laboratory, but some headquarters in Langshan, China as well. I'm just speculating here, but I think, obviously, Carla Radomir was born in 2009 to be loyal to Simmons. But as time went by and she was training to, you know, become Ada Wong, she recovered aspects of her former personality and began to hate Simmons. And this is obviously why she's formed Neo Umbrella. I don't know if Langshang was maybe maybe where Ada's originally from, because that seems to be where Neo Umbrella's headquarters is in the, the quad tower, and obviously that mansion where Jake and Sherry are. Yep. And she seems to have formed it around about 2010, and then she creates the Eustonac in 2011, and then obviously you've got the Neo Umbrella experiment at Mahawa School in 2012, and then you've got Neo Umbrella giving the C-Virus to the Eastern Liberation Army as well in 2012. But as far as I know, unless I'm missing something, Simmons doesn't have any connection to Neo Umbrella at all. It's purely something Carl has done. And I think she's abused Simmons' trust to use money from the family to fund Neo Umbrella behind his back. It's the only explanation, I think, really. Yeah. It's, it's staggering for one little woman to be able to do that in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Without no one really raising an eyebrow. It does seem slightly um, perplexing, is one way to describe it. Captain. See you, Iris. That's what the gorillas were calling it. Hmm. Nice to see the cavalry's here. Who are you? I work here. My name's Ada Wong. They held me hostage. Sea virus. That must be what's creating those Jawavo. Yeah, I heard them saying something about that. What else did you hear? Maybe you could put your guns down. Not until you give us a reason to. Neo Umbrella. Neo Umbrella? The organization supporting the gorillas. Or at least I think that's what they were calling themselves. So the C-Virus came from them? That's all I know. Thank you. We appreciate your cooperation. Finn. You're in charge of keeping her safe. Yes, sir. Keep an eye on her. Will do. We've touched on the family as well. I think there's a file saying, obviously, they've been around for a long time. And I know there's a bit of a heated debate on the forums about under the cathedral in Tulloch's and their origins and how long they've been there. And it's all part of Simmons's underground complex and whatnot. And I think there's a bit of a debate about the age. Oh, the uh, you mean the catacombs? The catacombs, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like RE6's version of the Endopia kingdom, isn't it? Yes, yes. So there's a bit on that. But apart from Simmons, we don't know anyone else in the family. I, I just don't see why, that. What perhaps... I, I understand Simmons's role as someone who is obviously... He thinks he's like even higher than the president, maybe, and kind of keeping everything in check. But, I mean, they, they didn't have to go down that route. They could have made him like maybe like an agent of Tricell or something. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been quite, you know, that would have been quite easy to bring into the storyline. You know, a secret Tricell spy making sure that the US government you know, are still maybe buying BOWs, then of course they're going to find if Benford wants to reveal about what happened in Raccoon City and their involvement with Umbrella, that wouldn't be good for Tricell because, you know, perhaps publicly, you know, Tricell are are still backing the BSAA, but there'd be more suspicion cast over them and then perhaps they would have then come out about what happened in RE5. 
It would have made sense for him to want to kill off the president as a tricell member, maybe. Mm. They didn't tricell a mention, did they? No, they're not, and and that's that's the thing. You know, this lack of villain in the series or a consistent villain. Well, it's it's hurting it. It's hurting the series really badly. I think. Mm. How many organisations and villains have we had since oh, Resident Evil Five? You know, Sacred <laughs> Snakes disbanded after one game. Even Neo Umbrella, there's a file in in the game saying, "Yeah, Carl is dead." We'll never hear from Neo Umbrella again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the whole the whole aspect of the family was just—it's quite an interesting concept, but it is a bit cliched, and you know, the whole Illuminati thing, Metal Gear Solid, Patriots, whatever, and it doesn't really fit in the series. I mean, it was founded by was it one of Simmons' great ancestors or something, and has manipulated history. And, you know, the course of human development ever since. But if that's the case, surely they would have had people everywhere. They would have had people in Umbrella, Tricell, the Global Pharmaceutical Consortium. You know, exactly. they would have been controlling everything. They wouldn't have let incidents like Raccoon City happen. I don't, it's my argument with Metal Gear. I just don't see the need for the Patriots at all. And it was one of my real hating moments of Metal Gear 2. And if they carry on this way as well, it's just going to be... Unless the fact... Well, initially when I heard the family and then... Obviously, it reveals in loading screens long before you even hear about the family. You know, the family have placed serpent things across the world. Put them down to new files. And you're like, what the hell's the family? You know, this may be like the second loading screen as you're playing through the first time. So it kind of reveals a bit of the plot there. And you're thinking, well, I wonder if the family are the organisation. That makes sense, at least. That would have been brilliant. Yes. (laughs) And you're thinking, wait, family, organisation, Simmons, Ada. Yes, surely it's going in this direction. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, that could have been slightly better use of mysterious names anyway. Mr. Trick there. I think I, so. I, I think so. I just think they've got no idea what to do with Ada. Yeah. I don't even I don't think the writers, producers, the director of Resident Evil Six, they don't know who Ada works for. They've absolutely no idea. So they just had her in, in this game as an enigma again. Yeah. And you know, they've no intention of ever explaining it. I don't think they know how to. Completely agree. There's just no need, though, is there? As you said, there's no need for it. I mean, you could take her out of the game. You could have Carla Radame just say she's not a clone. She's just a standard evil woman. You could take Ada out of the game. And, and it would probably make more sense, because obviously you'd have read files of how, you know, as Carla was experimented on, then born in, from the chrysalis in 2009, and then basically seeking revenge, and in her twisted way, she's going to do that by destroying the world. Whatever. That works a bit better than, oh no, I must make her look like Ada Wong, and then it needn't have happened. And then, of course, the whole point with Carla is that she's a genius and able to um, use the Veronica virus and manipulate it in the ways that Alexia never could. Yeah, I mean, I took issue with that. I know people have made good arguments that science has advanced so much that people are seeing things that they wouldn't have even known how to look for ten years ago. But getting past that, the fact that Alexia was your artificially created genius, T. Veronica was something she created... And it had faults that even she couldn't solve. And then you have this Carla Radame, who, fair enough, was, you know, very clever, very gifted. But she wasn't a genius to Alexia's standards. Seemingly comes along and within a matter of months solves the whole T. Veronica destroys the human brain and makes it harmless. It's just cheap storytelling, I think. And makes the whole Dark Side Chronicles thing with Manuela having to have organ transplants just, you know, redundant. Someone help me out here. Why does Simmons want Carla to assume the guise of Ada? Why does he experiment on some 29,000 people to get that result? What is the goal for that? He's obsessed with her, wasn't he? Yeah, but, but why is he obsessed with her? Like, where did this begin? Well, at some point, Ada was working for Simmons 
1998. At the same time, she was working for the rival company, which backs up the fact that I don't think Ada's truly loyal to any one person. I think she's just like an independent contractor who hires herself out to various organisations, which is hinted at in the uh, Damnation DVD. And she abandoned Simmons because he was ultimately the person who made the decision to bomb Raccoon City. And Ada realised how dangerous he was after that and sort of severed contact with him and never got in touch with him again. And that really sort of fucked up his head because he thought Ada was the only person who was, you know, as clever as him, as gifted as him and was able to stand by his side. And all of a sudden she was gone. So he felt empty. So he decided if he couldn't have the real Ada, he'd create one of his own. So he's kind of infatuated with her then. He is, but it's the games, you don't know if it's a romantic thing or, or what. I think even one of the files says his reasons for his infatuations are unknown. Because he, he does go mental at the end, doesn't he, during the boss fight, thinking Ada is actually Carla, doesn't he? Yeah. It's all a bit of a mess. Always. Well, it's the way we like it. So, I mean, we can. that brings us on to the C-virus itself. We've, we've touched on its origins, the chrysalis virus, as it's known, and what it does. I like the fact that it has multiple effects if whether or not you're exposed to the gas because you are a, you're not a T virus zombie you're still a C virus zombie that's quite an interesting concept and then if you're injected with it then you become a Joavo. yeah and these don't have anything to do with Ganados, so it's not plague gas no. or anything they just seemingly exhibit similar sort of traits uh yeah there's no mention to Las Plagas at all no anyway so run through how the C virus was created. It's a blend of the T Veronica and the G, isn't it? I think. Am I right? Yeah. It says somewhere that Carla started working on it in 2001. And it started out with um, T Veronica. And she managed to work out why the T Veronica destroyed brain cells so quickly. But that would have been after 2002. Yeah. After Manuela. It couldn't have been. Well, I think it's she must have studied... Manuela, after Manuela was taken into government custody. Yeah, that's the. And that would make that would make sense. That would have been a nice reference, and I'm surprised they didn't. So under whose authority was it that she started investigating? Um, Simmons. It would be Simmons, yeah. And he wanted to what make a a virus? I think I'm not sure if the C virus concept was originally to help him create this clone of Ada. I don't know. yeah, I That's don't, what I got. Yeah, I don't think it was created to be like a doomsday weapon or anything like that. Right, okay. So they got the T. Veronica virus from Manuela. Where did they get the G virus from? Presumably from Sherry. That would make sense as well. And obviously you'd need the progenitor virus as well, but they've seemingly omitted how they've got hold of that. Why would they need progenitor? Because they just would. <laughs> they? Well, aren't all the viruses based on the progenitor virus? Yeah, but it didn't mean you need it though. Like the T-Abyss, you didn't need the progenitor. Yeah, but that's because it was a variant of the T-Virus. Okay. So you started making progress with that, as you said, sorting out the problem that Alexia randomly couldn't for whatever, how many years. And then... Yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't really tell as much, does it? I mean, Simmons started his project Clonader in 1999, I think. Yeah. And then he... Carla began work on C-Virus in 2001. She must have got hold of T-Veronica in 2002. And then you don't really hear anything after that until they must have some working prototype of the C-Virus ready round about the time of Resident Evil 5 because that's when Carla is born out with that chrysalid. Yeah, and the real Carla, who you see briefly at the end of Ada's scenario, or what she used to look like, long blonde hair, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then Simmons injected her. And then as Carla sort of grew more and more aware of how Simmons had used her and she wanted to destroy 
this stable world that him and his family had built. I think that's when Carla focused on making the sea virus more into a weapon of destruction. Do we expect the sea virus to ever come back? I hope, no. I hope it does, because I think it's the best virus since the original T-virus. I think it's better than the G-virus. I like the seemingly unpredictability of it. The chrysalises add a nice icky... It's a very icky virus, I think. The creatures that are derived from it are very creepy. But there's and... still no explanation, though. It still suffers from the RE4 syndrome. I mean, how the hell is Eustonac created? It's in the file, I think. It's one of the ones I've not unlocked yet, I think. Well, how's Sloppy Joe's created? What makes them different? How do you create a more aquatic-based chrysalid? How do you create, um, you know, those lizard creatures look remarkably similar to what Obi-Wan Kenobi rides in Revenge of the Sith? You know, or crows. There's, like, ones with literally feathers flying out. As they fly around. The spider one's made... Well, I don't even know. what. Where where does the spider theme come from? I don't know. I don't know. And the grasshoppers. And why does Simmons become uh, like a dog? And then then a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And then a fly. He's... Yeah, he's infected with a different... A real potent strain, isn't he? One of the... And uh, you've not seen what Carla becomes yet. She's... Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, Oh, Christ, that's horrible. Oh, she's dead. It's from a life. really icky sequence, though. It's quite disturbing, but in terms of plausibility, it's uh... the first time for a long time I actually felt a bit of actual horror in the games because seeing her face form on the walls is creepy, and it reminded me of the Blob a lot. The way you get the I don't know what you call it, the substance coming through like doorways and things like that. It was very creepy and very icky. It's a good virus in that respect, and I like going around labs where there's just chrysalises everywhere like it's frozen in time yeah i actually think they don't need the juava i think they should have stuck with just the zombies and then the chrysalis because you've almost got you know it's a halfway house isn't it? you've kind of got zombie then juava then whatever comes out you know i, I don't i don't like bows with guns i never have um apart from nemesis and it just if perhaps if the whole thing was just you know zombies because they're not normal zombies that they've got a bit of spring in their step haven't they and they're a bit they're quite vocal. And the whole bits with Leon were escaping the gas. That was genuine terror. And that worked quite well. And I just think perhaps if you, you know, you want to think twice about shooting zombies, just like you did in Remake. And perhaps if it was more suspenseful, you know, and less ammo, less of them, you wouldn't shoot all the zombies because you think, shit, they're going to turn in, they're going to all become crystallized. And then God knows what's going to jump out. That would have been quite an effective thing. I know you have that with Juavo, but there we go. Right. That brings us nicely onto the enemies, actually. I love the zombies. I love the fact that the zombies were back. I think I just feel we've seen them all before. That's all. Apart from some of the chrysalis monsters. We've seen it all. Yeah, and it just got beyond a joke at points, didn't it? I mean, in Chris's, I mean, I don't know their names. The absolutely mutant ones were like the size of houses. Is that Ogremon? Ogremans, yeah. Ogremans, yeah. It sounds like I played Digimon, doesn't it? And they were ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And what else you got? I mean, I... I mean, uh, is there an explanation as to how... I mean, I know they were created on the El Gigante in Undesu, aren't they? And then I just think some of the effects taken off because when you, you know, for the first time when you see El Gigante, there's that real effect. Yes. You can really feel the size. And also the fact that there just seems to be too... There isn't any rhyme or reason to the mutations. It just, you know, like you said, the thing with the feathers, it's almost just like Capcom just think, you know, put a few names in a mixing pot, take them out and just, you know, we'll go with whatever, you know, whatever we pick out. I think what's always been quite good about the Resident Evil series is that even though you've had some freaky mutations, there is still a degree of humanity in some of them. Things like the Lickers and the Hunters, you know, you could tell when you read the files, you go, okay, you know, a Hunter, it's kind of like a cross between a frog and a human, you know, 
Yeah, I can see that. And apart from like maybe G-Virus, which got a bit silly to an extent. But even things like the Drain Demios, you know, you're told they're kind of irregular flea mutants. But you're like, okay, I can just about see it. And it started with RE4, really, didn't it? With with the silly things. But even now, looking back at RE4, you know, you almost see, well, that they're obviously human. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse until they're basically just, it's just going to be Silent Hill. It lacked a really solid bow. It really did. I certainly like the variations on the zombies. So, you know, what I didn't like is the more the ridiculous and the almost theological forms. But the things like, I mean, the bloodshot, the, the, I mean, I thought the Shrieker was a nice taken and kind of developed the gameplay further in, in terms of, you know, um, it can actually bring, you know, more zombies to the fight. So, yeah, the bloodshot on Shrieker I really did enjoy. The Leper's Eater, I thought that was good. Shrieker was one of my favourites as well. That little parasite thing that makes that shrieking noise when you shoot it. Quite, oh, yeah. Quite yeah. disturbing, right? And the bloodshot. Yeah. The bloodshot's just like a running liquor, isn't it? So it kind of reminded me a bit of Crimson Heads. Yeah, but then, I mean, for me, to an extent, whatever comes out of the chrysalis is bordering on the, okay, that's fine. But then any respect I had for the BOWs in this game was completely lost during Chris's scenario when Carla infects whoever the last guy is with the C-virus. He becomes crystallised and then out comes some flies. And then, you know, hundreds of flies, you know, forming a human body but with like something in the middle that you got to shoot i don't even know what they were called that was fucking ridiculous nesdo or something yeah it's, it's awful absolutely i mean <laughs> what on earth i mean it's not it's not resident evil how could that how in the world can that be explained it reminded me of the uh the pain from metal gear side 3 it's just stupid i mean you know from gameplay mechanics obviously it changed it up a bit and i get that you know, aim for the relatively parasite that's roaming around, but it was just a joke as a creature. And it reminded me a little bit of the Leechman from Resident Evil Zero. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a like an, a beehive, isn't it? Where there's like you know your worker bees and your queen bee, mm. and they're all under her command. So I suppose that's a little bit like the Plaga. I suppose so, but I, I, I... and the Veronica at that. Yeah. And the ants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But how they'd have the intelligence to form. The appearance of a human. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you've had the leeches. Yeah, but the leeches had almost a symbiotic relationship with Marcus, didn't they? Yeah. I don't know. I was generally let down. As I said, I, I don't think Joavo were needed at all. Just their, their actions almost become... The fact that they're zombies almost becomes relevant because they're effectively no different to, you know, human attackers, you know, with their use of guns and things. So it's kind of before the idea was the enemies... But it was a different take. You know, you had these shambling, slow enemies... Now what you've got is effectively just, you know, it's just human-on-human warfare. Well, yeah, it may as well be. And uh, I know, George, you haven't got that far, but when you wake up as Jake in the underwater... La- no, no, in the mansion, sorry. Is it ma- no. In what? the underwater base. In the underwater base, and you haven't got your guns, and you're relying on your melee combat. I mean, they're Juavo. They're in suits, George. They're in suits, coming up to you, going... Wah, 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 wah. Oh, that is the mansion, that. <laughs> is that the mansion? Oh, yeah, Matt, whatever it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. And... You know, they're humans, and you know, and, and you see clips with Sherry trying to escape from them, and they may as well be acting... They are humans. They've got enough human intelligence. Mm. And, you know, Ganados didn't, really. And what is with the bloody armour they wear toward the end of the game, where they've got, like, fly gas mask things? Yeah, yeah, I was genuinely reminded of Batman Dark Knight, because they may as well have looked like the Joker's minions. That's how it got, you know, they can drive... They can drive motorbikes relatively well. They, you know, they can drive snowmobiles. They can carriers. Dri- carriers. And then, then you've got the Neo Umbrella operatives. Why the fuck are they infected with the C virus? You know, surely they're just followers. I, I, I don't know what they are, but you know, they, they look like 
I don't know, aliens in their stupid outfits. It just, I mean, that whole bit on the boat, you know, when you first get there, it's just not Resident Evil. Well, where you're in the hangar and you've got to use the yeah. missile to blow up the door, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah, the fly, <laughs> body armour stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah sorry. Mask. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm sorry. That's what, yeah, I mean, it's just... I did that bit in co-op, actually. It may as well have been playing Call of Duty at times because there's no BOWs or anything like that. It's just people with guns. And what detracts from it is the fact that zombies, obviously, they're there to kill you because they want to eat you. BOWs want to properly kind of kill you because they're ordered to, whereas Juavo are a bit halfway house. Well, no, Juavo especially, they don't want to do anything. They just want to kind of kill you, but you don't kind of get that impression, whereas Magini and Ganados, they want to infect you. I mean, I think it's, it's all endemic across the game where they've just tried to throw too much at it, Capcom, and, you know, some of it is stuck and some of it hasn't. So I think the BOWs that they did get right, I just think they should have utilised more. And I think there's too much too thinly spread across the game. I really would have liked to have seen a lot more of Lepotista. Um, I thought it was a, 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 a very simple but just great idea. Almost, you, just, you could have seen that thing in the start. You know, uh, BOW that creates other zombies. I mean, exactly, it, it, yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically the amoeba type BOW, isn't it, from Gaiden? Christ. Ah, okay. Remember, you know, that's what that does. Oh, that, nice. That's released on the starlight and then goes around with its tentacles coming out of its stomach, infecting everyone. So it's at that sort of principle, which is for the first time on the screen, and it, wor- it works quite well. I can't pronounce it, the Ras Lapanji thing. I thought that was really horrific. When you fight in the Chinese market, the right? regenerator thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, that's probably about the best creature in the game, actually, I think. The only other ones that were of notable interest was obviously because it, they have to be in every game, is the chainsaw creature that was unnecessary that was unnecessary (laughs) and i can't help but feel because it's basically literally thrown in from up high i assume that it's in ada's game somewhere or is it just exclusively in jake's what the chainsaw creature yeah oh yeah it's in ada's game is it okay that's fine in jake's it's literally thrown on you isn't it almost and i'd say that's fine so that's fine that's not a worry but you've, you've got you know a strange kind of i suppose again it looks a bit like it looks like a leech zombie, really, doesn't it? But with a chainsaw. Capcom are so desperate to put chainsaws in the series now that we've now got organic Organic, yeah, yeah. It's just ridiculous. We've started revelations and it needs to go. But you had... Uh, what did you think of the shark, Nick? The Brazak, whatever it's called. Which is that one? The Neptune shark in Leon Chapter 3. I thought you would have orgasmatized over that. <laughs> Chapter 3, where's... Oh, that piece of sh- Oh, my God. I have such issues with underwater levels. Anyway... I hate underwater levels. I hated Sonic yeah. because you had to breathe. Oh, do you remember when Star Fox went underwater as well on N64? Lilac Wars? I don't, I've never played that. But I just I don't think... understand why control systems become instantly fucked up the minute you go yeah. up in the air or underwater. And yeah. it's like, all oh, the controls, no, we're changing it totally. And I didn't like the controls generally in this game. But the underwater, was it? I suppose it was a type shark type thing, wasn't it? And the, the whole kind of sequence... You keep running around from it. It was all right. I, I I liked it when you're fighting it in the pools and it's kind of chasing you. You got to shoot it, and when you're kind of standing up and able to actually fight it. I just hate underwater sections with an absolute passion. The thing about that is, I didn't like the randomness of it. You'd have thought, why is there a shark in an, an underwater pool in North America? The game could do well to lose Leon Chapter Three altogether. It's just completely ridiculous. This huge <coughs> underground catacomb beneath tall oaks. It, mm. But the shark is explained in a file as an experiment. And it, there is an aquarium in there, and Simmons says, right, let the shark out just in case someone makes it that far down. Oh, okay. So it is kind of explained, so it, it does make it a little bit less pointless. But I agree, Chapter 3 for Leon was quite unnecessary. 
But I suppose they needed a way for him to get out of the city. The structure for Leon's campaign is a bit... You've it's got chapters one and two, which is pretty good. Chapter three is just nonsensical and unnecessary. And then in chapter four, so much happens. Yeah. You know, you, you literally crash land in China after having that section on the plane. And then there's like boss fight, boss fight. And then Simmons is dead. So much happens within like an hour in chapter four. It's ridiculous. I would love to have seen them extend the sections with the survivors. You know, where you're interacting with the group. Uh, and perhaps even the plane section as well. Did you guys feel chapter one going around Tall Oaks? To me, felt like a massive throwback to Bizarrely Outbreak. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like chapter one. It was definitely more Outbreak than Resident Evil 2, I thought. Do you know, the, the real funny thing about it was that for the first half an hour, I genuinely didn't think I had a gun. I didn't know how to bring up the menu. <laughs> and I was going around going... This is, oh, I was like, shit, what have I got? I've got nothing. I could, I, I could do a melee or something. And I was like, I've got no gun. I've got no, I'll, pick, I'll, I'll pick one up. And nothing coming. And I thought, obviously, you don't see any BOWs for a long time. But obviously, the tension builds up when you're trying to find his daughter. And I was like, oh, I still haven't got a gun here. And then I realized, <laughs> I pressed another button and then it drew it up. I was like, oh, thank God. See, again, that was a missed opportunity because, I mean, it just would have been so much. It would have been so fantastic to be able to have explored that in further detail. Yeah, yeah. And, that, that, and that environment was perfect for gameplay that wouldn't be linear. I mean, it, it, I don't think it would have been too similar to Remake, but that, but just that idea of walking around a maze-like building, which, again, I thought was lit beautifully and was crying out for varieties of much deeper gameplay based, you know, for much longer there. So I thought that, that again, that was a real missed opportunity. Surely it wouldn't have been that hard for them to create a few more classrooms. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. a few more options, because there's even, even walk past doors that are blocked off, yeah. like boxes and stuff. I mean, why why can't you just go in them? Even if there's nothing in it, apart from like a box of handgun rounds. Well, I mean, how, I mean, would it have been too ridiculous to suggest that within those rooms could have been items that would have got you further through that building through the use of puzzles? Yeah, I mean, Leon, you have a, a kind of puzzle, don't you? There's nothing, anything like anything that we've seen since Resident Evil 3, Code Veronica. And, and they just, I mean, how difficult, again, would it have been for them just to put that in those those extra spare rooms and just placed there in that environment? It would have been absolutely ideal. It would have been pure Resident Evil. Um, you could have the other sections, you know, that were more action orientated. But that Leon section, particularly for me, is a huge wasted opportunity for that gameplay. I mean, in the university, you could have, like, say, gone into the library and you could have had something similar to, like, the picture puzzle from yeah. the first game. And if you solved it, it gave you a shotgun or something. Yeah. Mm. You know, just something whole, small like that. The whole university could have been, for Leon's campaign, a big quest hub with, yeah. you know, huge crest puzzles and everything. You didn't need to go out into Tall Oaks. The lab could have... Simmons's facility could have just simply been beneath... University. the ivy university and it would have been not you know the whole section would have been just completed with a nice little bow on top you know it would have been a fantastic little section and a complete departure from where the rest of the game goes i and i like the tall oaks cathedral bit but mm, i did yeah. when when i think you could have had the ivy university which they use so much of the marketing about you know they they really promoted the hell out of that imagine if we'd had all i keep thinking to is once again outbreak the decisions decision scenario where we actually have a university full of puzzles and rooms and yeah you know if they'd just done tall oaks like that i think people would have loved it they really would and they could have explained any stupid quirks like that you know crests and stuff just say it was designed by george trevor i mean yeah <laughs> that would have been it you could have got rid of chapter three and yeah. had the first chapter could have just been entirely in the university 
I think we said that in the last podcast, didn't we? We predicted after the demo that perhaps we, if we'd come back, it would have been a nice thing. The, the final enemy I just want to quickly talk about was the Yushtanak, which obviously is the, is the plague crawler of Jake and Sherry's scenario. Now, I don't know if he owns his own private helicopter or arrangements, but seemingly being, he, him being able to follow Jake and Sherry around the world is not a problem for him. He just seems to turn up everywhere, and he seems to. I mean, there is no way any creature would survive being impaled by the mole from Thunderbirds. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. I don't know. And the most ridiculous. I haven't, I haven't done Aiders yet, but the most ridiculous story point, the most ridiculous action moment in the entire game is when you're on the back of the helicopter and you're with the guns and Ushtanak's chasing you by jumping on different helicopters and Sherry, in her wisdom, is like don't worry, shoot down the helicopters the civilian helicopters that you know that are being piloted by our agents trying to get us out of here don't worry about, don't worry about them and their friends and family and kids they're, at home, shoot them! They're not civilian helicopters, they're Neo Umbrella. They're Neo Umbrella's helicopters. Are they? Yes. <laughs> so you can stick an introduction, just like you did with me and Star's Tyrant Crucified with my rank. <laughs> <laughs> that's, are they that's going to go next been... introduction. Oh, sorry, I'll scrap that. <laughs> <laughs> Still ridiculous, though. Still ridiculous storyline. But I found Houston Act to be similar to... Uh, it reminded me of uh, Pluto from dead aim in that it was, blind one. yeah i mean it was a normal man and they experimented on him to make him into this powerful killing machine i'm looking at a file here and it says 322 test subjects died within 24 hours to create the eustonac the person who was experimenting on him was actually a willing participant he said i don't care if i lose my humanity i just want to become this unstoppable killing machine it says here that he lost his right arm in a lab accident which is obviously why he gets these minigun attachment and his pincer that, attachment. That was, a little, that was a little bit Inspector Gadget, wasn't it, when he changed that over? <laughs> but it was nice that they actually gave him like a, a mother-son relationship with Carla. There's a few files I remember that sort of elaborate to it, like the Houston Act. When it, Neo Umbrella researchers find out that Carla's been killed, apparently the Houston Act becomes all subdued and goes off quietly into a corner. Oh. And then he just decides, right, for revenge, he wants to kill Jake and Sherry. That's good. Was that, was that an emblem file? Yeah, it's a few. Well, it's, the, it's in the extended files in uh, on ResidentEvil.net. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's definitely got, you know, like Carla sort of nurtures it and Eustonac has feelings for Carla and that's why he's so protective of her and carries out her orders without question. But conversely, although that for me was the worst moment of the game, the helicopter bit, Later in Jake's scenario, it's almost almost redeemed entirely by the ice cave section and the little bugs. I thought that was a genuine moment of quite good survival horror. I mean, it wasn't particularly difficult, but I love that I had, moment. The only problem I had with that was, in the previous chapter, Sherry and Jake had no problem going up against it with guns, and then all of a sudden they just decide, can't be seen by it at all. Hmm. Yeah. You know, in the previous chapter, if they needed that key card, they would have just gone at Ustanak with guns, yet all of a sudden, because he's got a drill on his arm, we can't do it. <laughs> That's true. I do think it's quite a good survival horror, though, and I like that idea of, even though you couldn't even see him, he wasn't always in the same room. You knew if you were spotted. It's a bit like the Hunter drone situation from Code Veronica, wasn't it? I found that chapter that broken, that for, it was for the first time in the game I actually thought there was more than one Ustanak, because he seemed to just magically teleport around these caves. Yeah. <laughs> 
But that was the thing. I mean, they say it's like Nemesis, but it's not like Nemesis because every single encounter is scripted. Yeah. Yeah. There's no randomness to it. So every time you play the game, you know where he's going to be. You know when he's going to come, and it's just not the same. Now, I experienced these problems many times in the game, but also in being chased around by Ustinak. The whole running sequence, for me, they were shocking. Um, I don't claim to be a good gamer. I play this on easy mode. But, you know, the camera angles were so dud when you were running away from things, and they changed all the time, that when you were running and then you had to do, you know, try and time that slide perfectly, and if you missed it, you were just crawling on the floor, died. Try it again, died. You know, the, the, the end boss of Chris's, the big sloppy Joe thing, the number of times I died just trying to run away, yeah. trying to time those slides perfectly, it's just bordered on a joke. It spoils it, because, you know, when you when you play a Resident Evil game, you know, you want to try and get as far as you can without dying, you know, to try and make it more realistic and get your imagination yeah. fired up. But you can't do that with this game, because you know yeah. as soon as you start to play it, it comes down to how lucky you're going to be with the camera angle. All the time. The, the whole, any sequence where you're running to the camera was shit. Yeah. Because obviously you didn't know where you're going. And then suddenly it would suddenly do like a, almost like a 270 degree switch and you're suddenly running up a hill and then you had to quickly change your perspective and how you're doing it. Like Devil May Cry 1 all over again. Yes, it was. That's exactly what it's like. And oh, it, it just ruined it. And then, as you said, we're about the whole, you don't want to try and go without dying. But then in the many motorbike sequences, that's near impossible. Well, the thing with the dying as well is the game's that broken with the way the health works that it's actually easier just to kill yourself and get full health for the next section. Yeah, yeah. Because no, you don't actually get a lot of health throughout the game. I didn't find anyway. No. And if, you, if you're struggling on like one block of health left... It's easier to just kill yourself, and then when you restart at the checkpoint, you've got full life. Mm. Because the moment you go into the danger thing and need to be revived, it's, it's game over anyway, because it takes that long to physically recover. Yeah. Even when you're revived, that you may as well just hit restart. I, I just, as I said at the beginning of this in my little spiel, I didn't like the controls, really. They take some time to get used to, and by the end, you know, I was quite, you know, quite fluent with the, with the controls. But I warned you about that, though. And you did? No, and no, you quite ignored, right. You ignored me. I did. I did. It's fine. It didn't. It didn't take too long. You know, by the time we get to Leon Chapter Three, you're, you're quite. I still didn't like them though. I, I still didn't think they were particularly good. I didn't like the fact that the quick time events, all, all the controls, all over the place, and you know, you had to. You know, it's like bang, bang, bang on like square at different times, and you had to get it in the kind of circle. And I must confess, though, but... I did love all the sliding and the dodging. It gives me so many options. Yeah. You know, on, on mercenaries, you know, it's so much fun being able to use all those mechanics because sliding, it's ridiculous, but God, I love it. I just slide everywhere. Every game should have sliding in it. <laughs> <laughs> but then the whole point is you could probably go around the whole game doing everything melee. You could kill everything with melee and then you just, all you got to do is keep pressing R1, R1, R1 or whatever. You it's balanced nicely with the stamina gauge though, because if you abuse melee too much, you do become unable to do anything. Like sprint until your stamina restores itself. Mm. I don't. It's maybe lessened a bit on easy, but if you play it on the harder difficulty, stamina's really punishing. Yeah. You, you can't even quick shot without losing a block of stamina. Yeah. I never even noticed the stamina points. So perhaps it's just because easy mode. But then I, again, I, I didn't. I hated the inventory system. I'm not sure if everyone got on with it. Oh yeah, I just thought it was a ridiculous. I mean, so much about things like that. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I just thought it was com- just for the sake of it. Let's change it around, and it just didn't work at all. I've never liked real-time inventory no but i I can live with that 
but I don't like the fact that there's almost two inventory screens for your items. You know, I mean, that's what I didn't quite understand because with the health, for example, it seemed to add like a sub menu that didn't yeah. need to be there. And if you wanted to quickly access a grenade, forget it. Oh, that's what's frustrating. Exactly frustrating. You get one grenade, you throw it, you've got to go then back into the yeah. inventory, equip another grenade to throw the second one. Exactly. I, I just and then obviously because that forms part of the remote bomb sub menu with the first aid spray and the flash grenades. I know what they were trying to do with the health, so it's a quick health button as opposed to going. I understand that, but I, I just think it, it failed spectacularly. There, there are some good points, I suppose, like switching between the different modes of the gun by pressing triangle. I, yeah. I, yeah, I like that. I think that worked quite well. And then I think in Jake's you could pick up two. You picked up like explosive rounds for one, and then. You could pick up AK-47 rifle for the other, and the grenade launcher had the traditional rounds. It did, yeah, and I, yeah, and I like that, and but that worked quite well, you know, being able to switch quite quickly like that rather than going stop, combine, put into, you know, so that worked quite well, and I, I like the idea of the health, but I, I just think it was so poorly implemented. I also find it quite odd that you still had limited space for picking up things. I just find that quite odd. And yeah, here's a here's a good little live poll we can do. Of all the games then that have now been released, all the series, now we're at a sort of a crescendo point with six, which game do you feel has had the best inventory? Four. The first one. Yeah, I was going to say just the first one that we got. Just simple, it didn't need any changes. Slots, yeah. I do like four's attached. I like four. I like the idea. I think it's quite a clever idea. I think it's a good advancement of it. But then there's there's little bits, isn't there? Like, um, say for example, I've got one green herb, but I've got no space. And then you want to pick up the red herb. I can't even remember what game it is. It goes, you're unable to pick up this item. Would you like to combine it anyway? Code Veronica. Is it Code Veronica? I mean, that. Yeah. That, I don't understand why that's still not around. I don't, you know, I have to look through my gun and go, well, I've, I've got, you know, full ammo over here, but I've got that. I'll, I'll get rid of 20 NATO rounds or whatever it is. You don't want to do that, really, just to pick up a red herb to combine it and then put it in your case. And suddenly you've got two spare spaces. Again, that could come from playing it on the easier difficulty, though, because normal mode ammo is scarce as hell. I was, you know, and I never filled, I never once filled up my inventory, never once. Okay, so it's just easy mode. (laughs) It could be. I don't know. I've I've not played the the easy. But then, did did you assign the skill points to so pick up more? No, I I needed breakout. Blimey, I can't do the QTEs without the breakout skill. See, I didn't like that. I mean, I didn't I, like skill points. I, I, I like my RPGs, but just to, to have that element in Resident Evil, I, I really didn't like that. Again, it just felt that we're just trying to throw too much yep. in, into a game. I gave up on them in the end. I couldn't be asked. I like... And I, what they could have used instead, I mean, I certainly thought Resident Evil 3 was a great use of having the, the option to choose how to use your ammo, how to mix your ammo. You can almost enforce a difficulty level onto yourself by, I mean, for example, only ever using A and B to make C, only ever using those ammo to make uh, magnum bullets. So, you know, ne- ne- never use it to make some bullets or anything else. So that, that was something that could have, I think take, they could have used to take into other further games. Preferred the skill points to four and five. I like the way that reloading is now down to like how good you are at it in a character as opposed to how quick the gun reloads or you know having magical chambers which hold 99 rounds or you know upgrading a part on a gun which can make it fire faster. I think the skill points were a little bit better but wholly unnecessary. You didn't need it. Well, uh, and then we'll move on to the vehicle section. I can't remember if you've only played Leon's I can't remember what you play in the in the plane but that's more of a quick time event more than an actual vehicle section i can't i don't think there's anything in leon's is there no no 
they honestly, George, they are so diabolical. The start of Jake Chapter Four, where you're on the bike, is just ridiculous. That's just straight out of Paul Anderson's Resident Evil world. Yeah, and I j- I'm surprised you didn't like it. <laughs> I, I, actually, I haven't seen the fifth film yet I've missed it but no again like the, the snowmobile points are stupid and I haven't got a clue what was going on when you suddenly jumped onto I don't know what it was it looked like a, a frozen lake that was suddenly a glacier melting or something I don't know what it was but that seemed ridiculous I didn't like that the the car points were just it was the whole bit before you get to the boat was just taken out of Metal Gear at the end it was near identical oh a checkpoint can you take them out the only turbocharged BSEAG. Yeah, it's it was... an unbelievable <laughs> section of bad video gaming. Oh, awful! When Pierce said he was the best driver the BSA had, I immediately thought of that poor bastard who gets squashed by Endisu in Resident Evil Five because apparently he was a former World Rally champion or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it was just so awkward. And then like you have to like you know when you when Chris is driving, you got to smash the screen, don't you? And then drive, and then. So many times, because, oh, he's got away, and you die. Wait till you get to Ada's helicopter level, Nick. Oh. You're going to enjoy that. The, the only one I didn't mind was where you pilot in the Harrier as Chris, and yeah, you have to take, take out the guns on the aircraft carrier. I thought that was all right, because it, it goes well with Chris's background as an Air Force pilot yes, as well. Yes, yes, you're right. And, yeah. and being BSAA, you, know, that's, you, you tend to think that's the kind of thing they would yeah. do if they were presented with a carrier that's armed itself. And that's sort of co-op as its best as well, because if you're playing as Pierce, you've got a completely different experience actually running round on the aircraft carrier to try and disable the missiles whilst your partner's on the plane. I'm going to miss Pierce. I like Pierce. As you play through the game, you really grew to him quite nicely. It was, you know, he was standing up to Chris going, sort yourself out. Oh, does he die? Yeah, sorry. Do we, not, do we not get to see that cravat again? <laughs> Their campaign is the best by far, I think. It has the most varied gameplay when you play at co-op. If you play as peers, you get, like uh, like John's just said, in certain sections of the game, you get a completely different experience as peers. Yeah. I just don't know why he died, because the whole point was getting an antivirus thing. And I, just didn't, I, I just assumed he was going to survive. I didn't understand why they had to do it. Why couldn't they just go... Oh. As you said, Batman, they wanted someone to die. I liked it. Chris, we need to stay calm. After what she's done to us, how many of our men are dead because of that bitch? I'm right there with you, Captain. But your personal vendetta isn't going to get us anywhere. If you hadn't been blinded by vengeance, we could have prevented some of those deaths. Shut up. Do you even care about our mission anymore? Shut up! I feel sorry for all the men that died believing in you. What happened to the legendary Chris Redfield, huh? What happened to you? It's a good thing Finn's not around to see you this way. I'm going after Ada. HQ, this is Alpha Leader. I need a location on Ada Wong. I'm going with you. Someone's got to keep an eye on you, whether you want them to or not. Um, so you think Chris's campaign's the best overall? I think it's most consistent. I think it, it's plausible because, you know, I know it's compared a lot to Call of Duty and that, but it fits because they are a military unit fighting in a war. 
I preferred Adonia to China. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Adonia levels. I thought they got the feel and the aesthetics of Eastern Europe quite well. And that was following up from Damnation, which I also think they got very well. You know, I think it was ruined almost by the Ogreman fight. I think that was ridiculous. I quite like the battle on the bridge where you've got to cross the bridge. And obviously, if you're Chris, you've got to run along the bridge and help Finn, who's trying to rescue that injured BSAA member of, uh, is it Delta Team? But if you play as Pierce, you've actually got to jump over a cavern and go into these little caves. And you've got to use your sniper rifle to destroy the fuel barrels under the tank. You know, it's, oh, right. it was just a nice, a nice little example of how you know the variation between the characters. Without having played Aiders to compare, I think the best parts of the game probably were Leon's at the beginning, but it just descended into anarchy and madness by the end. Jake's, I don't know. Jake's, you saw all what's going on with Chris's from quite a long way away, didn't you? You know, you saw them taking out the bridge for some distance. Uh, it was all right, Jake's. I didn't think the the combat was particularly good. He's the only character who gets a hub for one level. Gets a hub? You know, like a hub environment where you've got a central location and you've got to find items and bring it to the central location. Oh, the mansion, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I love the mansion. I thought it was wicked. That, for me, just epitomises... I cannot understand why Capcom took out the, the in-game files and the ability to investigate and interact with your environment. So that mansion was crying out for files on Neo yeah. Umbrella's background... And, you know, experiment logs with the C-Virus on Jake and Sherry. And, yeah. You know. You even go in a library. Exactly, yeah. You do even go into a library. And there's good places to explore because you go into, like, the barbing rooms, don't you? I mean, can, can anyone actually think of a reason other than just the fact that they just want to make this more universal to a more lazy market, quite frankly? I mean, is there any other explanation for that? I don't know, because Revelations showed they can still do it because Revelations, at times, is that kind of hub gameplay. That we like with backtracking and puzzles and. Mm. Well, this is it. I mean, six is just summed up by the fact that even when you're within the same level, five suffer from this. You're running away, and then they close the door. I mean, you cannot go back, and that's what annoys me more than anything. Because there's places I wanted to go back to. Yeah, I was going to say particularly when you have got places you want to go back to. Yeah, and that's what annoys me more than anything. It's like the door's closed. You know, it's just, usually you know you're coming to a new bit when it's a circle door. You have to press circle to get... Oh, sorry, whatever it is on Xbox, I don't know. It's not an X button action. Well, to get your partner to open the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I meant. Yeah, you gotta get, yeah, yeah, and you know you're not coming back there. And you're like, oh, I hate the lin- linearity of it. That annoys me. Bizarrely, Ada's campaign doesn't have that. Because it's not gated, con- uh, co-op gated. Mm. And the only time... I, this is actually quite interesting. I, I actually felt... I almost felt I was cheating Resident Evil 6. Just after you fight the shark thing. Um, in Leon's, you press the R2 button, can't you, to tell you where to go. And it tells you to go through these big double doors. And then and Helena was waiting there for me. And I was like, mm, hold on, there seems to be a little path here. And I probably spent about 15 minutes going back to where Helena went to get to that point, because I think Leon had got separated at that point. And you can go all the way back to uh, other parts of the caverns and catacombs and picking up things in boxes. And I generally thought, you know, I'm going to find something amazing here in a minute. And uh, found like a, there's a little serpent thing, family serpent. But for that moment, I felt I was cheating in the game because I was going where the silly little arrow tells me not to go. And, you know, I was doing a bit of exploration. Did anyone have that moment? Yeah. But it was really only, like Sean says, the mansion and the cathedral with its puzzle element. That was the only sort of yeah. the bit where, it, you know, it gave you a genuine feeling of exploration, really. Yeah, everything else was 
go A to B, A to B, A to B. But if you take Leon's first two, just Leon's first two chapters, it's almost like your own little mini Resident Evil 1, in a sense. Because if you if you think back to the original game, it only takes between, what, two to three hours to complete. And Leon's first chapter is probably the longest in the game. Mm. And, you know, that's the chapter I think most people will probably get the most replayability out of because of the nostalgia factor. But I think so, yeah. It's just a shame that there was not just a few more rooms to explore in the university. And even going through the streets with all these scripted uh, car explosions and crashes and, you know, just give you a, a few different routes around the streets to get mm. to, even if it's just to get to the exact same place, just to give you that illusion that you're not just constantly forced down the same path. I do think it did give the right, the good impression that you were in what Racking, if they ever did an RE2 remake or something. That's how it would be. Yeah, but like you said, it's more like Outbreak, isn't it? Because it's at the very beginning where there's still panic on the streets and there's people running around. Like, mm. if you compare it to the scene in Resident Evil 2 where you're running from the street after the tanker explosion to the police station, it's similar, but at the same time it isn't because Raccoon City is already totally dead by that point. You know, there's no survivors. No, it's carnage still, isn't it, at this point? Yeah. One bit I really enjoyed, sorry, was when you go in that the house and you see that dead family on the sofa. And you, Yes, that was great. You get the news, news the report about the submarine on the telly. That was good. There's lots of little bits like that. And you know what I'd like to see? I don't know, Resident Evil 6, 2, or whatever you want to call it. A new game set in Tall Oaks whilst this is all going on. Because this is my inherent problem. Everyone complained that Raccoon City was done to death. You know, so many games sit in Raccoon City, but at least you've really got an sense of its importance. You know, I, I want a game set in Terra Grigia during during the panic, just to see what else you get apart from being hoard up in the in the tower and stuff. And I want more. Get I want another game of maybe a group of survivors trying to escape Tall Oaks. Hang on a minute, Nick. There's been an announcement today, just just now. You're joking. Slant, Slant Six have just announced <laughs> Operation Tall Oaks. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be canon. wouldn't that be nice just to have another little game the problem is with having so many games and so many biohazard events because there's been quite a few now um, all around the world it just makes them so less important but that's another little thing that irks me about the lack of communication between the development teams right at the start where they uh, Leon and Helena open the door and they look down on the the dining hall and Leon says something like oh it's like raccoon all over again you know I can change it so it's like Raccoon and the Terra Grigia Panic of 2004. Exactly. You know, just little references like that. And there could have been better communication between the Damnation team and RE6. Oh, well, it just makes Damnation pointless. You know, Damnation is a really enjoyable film, but the lack of connection to Resident Evil 6 is staggering, especially because it's got the same script writer. Mm. Just, I don't know. I mean, you would have thought, I'd have thought, they could have even just thrown in a cheap reference to say, yeah, the, the cultivated plaga was used to help enhance the C-virus. You know, something like that, just to make it worthwhile. Well, you know what they do? We kind of need another Resident Evil 5, don't we? Because mm. Resident Evil 5 did the job of bringing everything together into one different viral agents and parasites and whatnot, and they're just starting all over again. Every subsequent core title needs an encyclopedia of Resident Evil updating and revising. The fact that 6 didn't have one, really, I don't know, it makes Resident Evil 5 stand out again a bit more. Because we've had sort of retroactively added sequel, you know, like Terra Grigia is not mentioned in Resident Evil 5, mm. even though Resident Evil 5 is set later. You know, everyone keeps talking about Raccoon City, but like John's just said, Terra Grigia is every bit as big a catastrophe. Yeah. yeah. 
and it's just been lost in nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> like you said about Tall Oaks before, this game's got 20, is it 20 levels? Yeah, 20 levels. And there's only really two levels out of that 20, which is set in Tall Oaks. Mm. You know, there's just it's one level in the entire game where you get to go through, essentially, you know, a zombified city, which is what everyone wants. And they're restricted to just one level in the game. I can understand getting away from a complete outbreak all the time because it, it's possibly too much panic in one go. And they, you know, you're quickly taken into a shop and you're boarded up there, then on a bus. And that whole sequence was, was quite good, actually. And then you're trying to escape. And then you move on. I get that. It was nice, but again, it would have been it would have been nice if it just slowed it down a little bit and gave you the chance to talk to these characters. So you you know you feel a little bit more for them when you know you know inevitably they are going to die. But it would make you feel you know you feel it more when they actually do. To make the storm more effective, you always have the calm before the storm. Yeah. You want that moment of going, okay, and 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 calm. Let's reassess what have we got. What have we got? But it's it's just this kind of on. As you said, a lot of scripted moments with, like, you know, a tank coming through the mansion or a car going flying and quick, quick, you know, something's happening, something's happening. Well, I actually felt genuine panic when you try to escape on the bus and then that fat zombie is blocking you from setting off. So you start shooting him and then all of a sudden you can hear the survivors getting attacked by yeah. zombies behind you. That's that's good panic. <laughs> yeah, that is good panic. But at the end of the day, then you remember you can't do anything about it because it's all scripted. Yeah. And then you move on to Leon 2, uh, which brings more puzzles in, like chasing the dog around the graveyard with the rain and the thunder and lightning. It's nice, nice little good. scene. And all the puzzles in the cathedral, it was that was nice as well. And the lab, the lab was brilliant, I thought, with all the mm. uh, the tubes with the liquid in and the chrysalids. I thought that was awesome. Again, you know, the lack of files and the lack of interaction with the environment. I can't help but feel the bit in the cathedral was slightly ruined by... Some Salazar-esque statue type things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't quite keen on them. But the lack of files in that. I mean, even on Resident Evil Net, it says these files were found in the labs underneath Tall Oaks. Why not leave them in the game? It's got well, to be one of one of the first games ever where you have to unlock, of all things, the storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Shots of yours, one hell of a punch, lady. So, you're Wesker Jr. Wesker? You lost me. Albert Wesker was a colossal imbecile, a fool who tried to destroy the world. He was also your father. What? Which makes you heir to a very special blood type. We haven't really touched on Jake's campaign, actually. Because it, I suppose it's a bit of a halfway house, isn't it, between Leon and Chris's? It's not quite as action-y. QTE-focused on it. Oh, button bashing, isn't it? And... Did anyone else have problems? Um, I'm jumping back to bloody Leon's here. Climbing up that rope. Oh, it's I, the first I, time. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I was like, it's L2, R2, yes, yes, no, dark. It just went up, down. 
up down. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? There's just no need for it. It's not fun to do. No, it's not. And then, as I say, Jake said there's a lot of button bashing and stuff like that and climbing. And, you know, once again, you had a a stupid elaborate lift type system that reminded me of the uh, almost like the self-destruct system from uh, the Harvardville thing in in Degeneration. This weird up and down lift thing. I didn't quite understand. Awful. I couldn't be arsed with that. As soon as I saw it, I thought, I can't be arsed. I I actually found the last chapter for each character painful to play through. And that that was on the very first time I did it, so God knows how I'll feel in a couple of years' time. Yeah, it wasn't great. And then Ushtanak, obviously, molten lava doesn't kill him, you know. I did enjoy that fight, though. I thought, despite the ridiculousness of the lava, I did like the surrounding. It allowed you to put space between him. It felt like a bit more of a classic Resident Evil fight, where you had to use the surroundings to put distance between you and the creature. Yeah. But then it kind of finished with a kind of solid versus liquid snake handy yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> it did seem like, you know, yeah. it was. But. And then I suppose the, the actual final final fight with Yushtanak was a bit reminiscent of Tyrant on the plane in Code Veronica. When you're kind of like trying to release cargo to knock him off. I thought, I don't know if that was supposed to be a throwback. But, but yeah, generally, Jake's, I thought, was all right. I, I actually kind of enjoyed escaping from the labs although the stupid Jarvo in suits I actually thought that whole sequence was quite nice because it didn't feel quite as intense because obviously you didn't have your guns and um, I kind of I kind of liked the bit with the security camera I thought that was quite good Sherry's in a patient outfit it's fine yeah throughout the kind of whole game you've got these stupidly over breasted sized women (laughs) showing them off and Sherry you don't really think Sherry is but they oh no 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 she is yes okay because obviously she's covered up for the majority of the game, and then you see her with minimal clothes on. William Jake's, in his grave. <laughs> um, Jake's game, I think, takes a, a sore point for the worst. The moment the tank shows up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By God, that is an awful part of of, of the game. It reminded me of. Um, I hate to bring this up, but you know, Resident Evil Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> the scene, the scene with uh, with Jill in the church where they actually forget the shitty rock music, they forget Miliovovich, and it's actually dark, and it's thunder and lightning, and you just have Jill walking around with the flashlight and the liquors. Yeah, she finds the For that liquor. five minutes, it's <laughs> it's semi-not shit. <laughs> You're right, that is, that is the best moment of the film, because you, you see the vicar who's tendering to his zombie wife, which was quite cool. Yeah, and it's the same with Jake walking around the mansion looking for the umbrella emblems. And just when you think, yeah, this is all right, Alice comes through the fucking window on that motorbike and the rock music starts and it goes all stupid. It's just the same as when you're about to leave the mansion and that fucking tank comes through the wall and it just goes all stupid. It does, because then you get on the motorbike, don't you? And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know how many times I died on the motorbike. It's just diabolical, isn't it? I'm afraid I suffer from Mario Kart syndrome, and I don't believe in brake buttons in racing games. And so <laughs> I was just dying left, right. The easiest, way, the easiest way to do those sections is just not use the R1 button. Just go at the sort of the, the pace the game determines, because with the motorbike section, you don't need to go flat out. Oh, don't like, you? Do okay. Jet ski. <laughs> so you just sort of cruise along and just neatly dodge everything but oh, I don't know that said once the tank's been unsorted the ride down downstream on the river I didn't actually mind that much despite the fact that I hate the chainsaw monster mm. it's alright I did like the fact that if you look up you can see Ada 
uh, hook shotting across the top. As oh, well. can you? Yeah, I tried. Really nice. I tried looking for her, and I, I thought, I wonder if you can see her, but I couldn't see her. But that's a nice touch. If, that if you play it online, the game tries to link you with an Ada player. Wow. Of course, yeah. The the link up stuff is one of the best things about the game. It must be said, it's brilliant. Yeah, but uh, one part of Jake's campaign that was quite disturbing. It's just one room, but you're in a, like a dark corridor, and Jake was talking about how this guy came at him with a knife when he was at South America, and you're oh. just sort of listening to him going, yeah, all right, whatever, and you walk into the next room, and it's full of mannequins. It's amazing. And it's just fucking hell. It's really creepy. And then you see that fucking face on the wall. Yeah. That's just made out of dolls. It's really weird, and it's just so so out of place, but it's quite disturbing to look at. The face made me jump, I think, the first time I find, yeah. shined the light on it. Yeah. Was, that, was that Adonia? It's in Adonia yeah. on J- yes, Jake's yeah, first level, yeah. And all the all the female mannequins have, like, handprints on the breasts, and it's yeah. all really weird. It's... Well, there's another moment in Adonia when Chris has actually thought that that, that mansion, the town hall, was going to be a bit of a hub. Great section, that, actually. Do you want to talk about Ada's campaign? Obviously, I haven't played it. How does that compare to the others? It has some puzzles. Yeah. Chapter 2 had quite a good puzzle. It took me ages to figure it out but it's quite simple when you think about it the body's dropping on the lever yeah yeah if you shoot the wrong one down just conveniently another one (laughs) comes out of nowhere there's like a crank in the room and you have to basically move the crank so it's underneath a body and then you shoot the body off the ceiling and it obviously lands on the crank pulls the lever and opens the trap door so you can go in but it takes it took me a while to figure it out because it's not clear what you have to do he says unlimited bodies to help you make sure you do it. Yeah, they're just sort of just dead bodies hanging by the necks from the ceiling. But I, Ada's campaign, it doesn't really answer any questions like separate ways did in Resident Evil 4. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have the levels cross over. And I, and I, I, like and I genuinely believe no game does it better than a Resident Evil game in terms of crossing over scenarios and things like that. Doesn't the end of Ada's campaign... Give, give a further ending, give a more complete ending than you would have got had you not started it. Just gives you an extra bit with Jake. That's it. Oh. What about a discussion on the forums? I, 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 can't, I didn't read too much about it because I didn't want to ruin it, but isn't there a bit debate as to who she was talking to on the submarine or something? Basically, it starts out... Obviously, when you're playing as Leon's campaign, you hear the news report about a Navy submarine going missing. Right. And there's a file saying um, that Simmons has actually given this submarine to Carla in exchange for a continued loyalty or something like that. And basically, Carla pauses as Simmons, contacts the real Ada and says, you know, I've got some information you'd quite like to hear and gives her the coordinates for this submarine. So Ada goes to the submarine and this is set two days, I think, before the attack on Tall Oaks. And you basically have to fight through the submarine as Ada um, against those gas mask Juavo things that are in the aircraft carrier level when you play as Chris. Right. And it's a bit more stealthy. You can actually get through the first third of the level sort of sneaking up on them and snapping the necks without being spotted because obviously if you get spotted they set off the alarm and a million more of them come. Surely they'd think it's um, Neo Umbrella's run by Carla but she poses as Ada. So the Neo Umbrella people think that Ada is... Well yeah, that's quite a good point actually but <laughs> it's never really elaborated surely, on. Yeah, surely she better walk go, alright, hello, yes it's me, don't, don't mind me. But the submarine is Ada's only uh, unique level, and basically you fight through that, and it gets quite repetitive, really, because, again, you can't interact with your environment, there's no files to find, so you, there's little incentive to explore every, you know, nook and cranny of it, really. And the whole... There's one nice room, in there? Yeah, the puzzle room. Well, it's, in, it's implausible, isn't it, really? You get a painting, and if you look through a peephole, the painting 
magically changes and you've just got these four sort of dials you have to turn so it matches an image on the painting. In terms of an actual puzzle, it's Capcom desperately trying to say to the audience, look, guys, we can still do puzzles, but it's just a pretty room in terms of it looks nice, it looks like a traditional Resident Evil setting. That's it. Other than that, the level is extremely generic, isn't it? Yeah, and basically the whole point of that level is just for Ada to find a video log of Simmons ordering her to go to Adonia to capture Jake Muller, who they believe is immune to the C-virus. And obviously Ada thinks, well, this video was dated six months ago, and I never got any such orders. And this is obviously where she begins to smell a rat. And then Carla appears to her at the end as Simmons, saying there's going to be a bioterrorist attack in the US. And then after that, China. How did she appear to him? That little cube thing. I don't even know how that works. No. It's like it's like basically a mobile phone, but it's like a... Yeah, but does she look like... She doesn't look like Simmons. Yeah, she looks and sounds like Simmons. So you think it's Simmons. How does she do that? Oh, is this, is this part of her magical chrysalis state? She can actually... No, 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 no. She's just the image of Simmons on the phone. Digital image. Yeah. Like oh, video, okay. Right. Video feed. She's obviously using some sort of audio distortion thing to sound oh, okay. like Simmons, right. like, like IMF agents do. And then she goes to America in Chapter 2, and this is where she clicks. She sees, she watches the video in the lab of herself being birthed from this chrysalid. Ah, okay. And then she clicks that there's a doppelganger running around and realises the Simmons she's been talking to isn't the real Simmons because it's not acting like Simmons. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. And that's when she contacts the real Simmons and says, right, your doppelganger's going mad. And that's when Simmons panics and buggers off to China. Hmm. Looks just like me. No wonder Leon is confused. Yes, it was quite revealing. How do you mean? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it you on this tape, Ada? You're the one behind Neo Umbrella. I... Don't know what you're talking about. Simmons would never be foolish enough to show his cards. He and his family want one thing. To stabilize and sustain the system they've created. But you... You want to destroy it. And the world will blame you. (laughs) If she wants a game, she'll get one. With the real Ada Wong. Simmons, Ada Wong. Ada. Let's ditch the pleasantries and get right to it. That little doppelganger you brewed up just told me she has her heart set on destroying the world. What? Looks like the race is on. Let's see who comes in first. So Ada's relationship with the real Simmons then is just, I used to work for you. Yeah, she worked for him and then left him after the Raccoon City yeah. incident because he but, 
decided yeah. to bomb it. It confirms that the guy at the end of Damnation can't be Simmons. Yeah. Because Ada hasn't spoken to him for a long time. Uh, or it's Carla in Damnation. Yeah. Okay. And then basically, do you want me to talk about the end of Ada's campaign or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, man. Um, basically, after you, you take Ada's role, obviously, in the final battle against Simmons in the helicopter. And then the bit on the top of the building where you're fighting Leon. You know where Leon and Helena are climbing up the rope and Simmons is Ada's taking on Simmons on her own. Mm. The bit where you knock Simmons off the building then yep. and Ada sends Leon that text message and buggers off to do her own thing. It cuts to the very top of the building where Ada is in this lab and you see quick video flashbacks of Simmons arguing with his research team about how he wants a perfect Ada clone and how this experiment's a failure. Pick her, pick her. And you see a picture of Carla Radame on the computer. Yes, is your blonde hair, isn't she? But the weirdest thing is you see this chrysalid egg in this tube and it starts to birth in front of her. And you see a human hand coming out. But before you find out who it is, Ada, she gets really angry and realises she's just had enough of everything and blows the entire lab to shit in quite a nice scene where she just sprays the whole room with a machine gun. Yeah, because this, this is... Uh, I, I watched this actually before before the podcast. This was described as Carla's greatest work. Yeah, it sounds like she... I don't know if there's a file alluding to this, I can't remember, but it sounds like she was basically trying to do what Wesker and Spencer did before her and create this advanced race of humans. But this time she was using the C-virus rather than Ouroboros. And Carla's ultimate plan was to let the Howus, that big creature in the undersea laboratory, basically get to the surface and turn everyone into zombies by releasing gas in the same way the leptis... Yeah. Yeah. And the that creature, that house creature, was automatically activated as soon as Carla's life signs terminated. But it was only 70% complete, and that's why Chris and Pierce were able to take it down. But what I don't understand is surely it's just one creature at the end of the day. I mean, there's nothing to stop, you know, the army and the air force bombing it to shit. I mean, Wesker's plan might have been stupid, but at least he had the right way to disperse the virus by using detonating missiles in the atmosphere. Yeah, no one could have got to it. Yeah, I feel the best part of the game and the reason why I hold it, you know, as as a, a point in the series is Ada's moment in the lab, which you just described, John, is... One of my it is skyrocketed to one of my favourite sequences in the series because for the first time since she was mortally wounded in Resident Evil 2, we have got some insight into the woman Ada is, and we only get it for 15, 20 seconds while she's shooting the lab up. But you can see she has been brought out of the shadows deliberately. She's been forced out of them to try and sort of clear herself and get rid of the evidence mm. about her. And um, you know you can see the this whole all the events of the game have affected her on an almost emotional level. It looks like she's nearly fighting tears yeah. in that in that sequence. And, you know, when she's shooting it up, it's it's orchestrally, you know, well composed. The sequence is, is brilliant. And I just think for 20 seconds, if that, we can actually see the real Ada for the first time in, I don't know, 15 years since Resident Evil 2 or whatever. And then the moment that phone rings, she's back to Ada. The door slams shut. And... You know, Resident Evil 7, it needs to start describing who the real Ada is, This who who the woman is behind Ada Wong. They can't keep doing this. They can't keep tantalising the audience with this woman who always just slides off into the night and nothing gets explained. 
someone in Capcom has got a hell of a job ahead of them for Resident Evil 7. Yeah. And I just hope he does his homework. They need to come to a fan site. And I don't see why they're so reluctant to do it. Mm. Another failure. Bring me another subject. Why do you think we had this lab built here in the first place? Just go outside. There's thousands of subjects to choose from. Tell Simmons that we're busy. I'm on the verge of solving this. Are you refusing my orders? You're the one who chose me as a test subject, aren't you? No. No, it was Simmons. He forced me to, please. Don't do this. Believe it or not, I said the exact same thing. Finally done it. This will be my greatest work yet. beyond sympathy at this point. We're beyond humanity. job, huh? Sure. My schedule just cleared. I thought, obviously, although he was dead, you could still feel Albert Wesker's shadow in this game. It still felt he was playing a role behind the scenes, Yeah. even though he's dead. I think it was handled really quite well. And I, I love the scene where Jake asked him, were you following orders or... Was it personal? Or was it personal? And I, I knew it even, even before he answered. I said, both, both! Yeah. <laughs> they went both. I was like, yeah! I, I just think that it was very well scripted and very well acted. I think the voice acting was superb, actually, in this game. It was and... just a shame they did it so late and it's not really resolved, is it? No, no. I, I can Whether they plan to go down that path in the future with you know, kind of mutual conflict, respect between Wesker and... Redfield, maybe. I was a bit disappointed, like I said in the Resident Evil 5 one, my favourite scene in the trailer was where Chris and Jake are in China and they're looking at each other and Jake says, does he know Wesker is my father? And just the way Chris was looking at him, I thought, oh he knows, he definitely knows, but it turns out he didn't didn't. know. (laughs) And it was just a shame it was revealed so late on in the game. I was hoping the, the true ending for the game was actually going to be the scene where they 
sit and talk. Yeah. You know, and, and Chris just basically says that, you know, you know, I had to do it. Yeah. There was no other way. I genuinely believe Jake would come round to that. Mm. You know, I think Jake is the kind of character, you get that he's the kind of character who would say, actually, my dad was a bit of a twat, wasn't he? Well, yeah. that's the thing. He's told throughout the game what an idiot Wesker was. And that's it. Although it's handled well, I wasn't quite sure if it was that believable. I don't quite know why he was so pissed off because he's never met his dad. He left when he was, whatever, 11. I think he was, it sort of made sense to him when he says in that scene in the locker room, when he says, oh yeah, we've talked about Albert Wesker a lot. And I think he gets angry because it makes, even though he's never met his dad, it makes him realise, you know, why he acts the way he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes him realise why he's so bitter and why he's, you know, he's got such an attitude and why he's, because he thinks part of himself is evil. And he realises now where it's come from. And then from the rest of the game, it becomes like his internal battle to prove to himself that he's not like his dad. But I agree, the final scene should have been Chris and Jake talking it out. Jake forgiving him. And then Chris chucking Jake in the escape pod and saying, right, bugger off. Save the world with your, va- with your blood. And Chris sacrificing himself to save oh, the son good. of his former mortal enemy. That would have been perfect. And it would have been... Oh quite obvious as well. I think a lot of people would have expected it, but I don't think anyone would have complained if that's what they would have done. No. And it would have been almost like the, the roles reversing, is it, from Resident Evil 5? It would have been quite... Yeah. That would have been good. Oh, well, well, well done, Batman. Well done. Where are we? China. Obviously, but where? Why? Don't know. Don't care. No, I am done being their guinea pig. What did they do to you? <laughs> Plenty. You said something about using my antibody to enhance the C virus. Oh, no. What else did they say? You know anything about him, Albert Wesker? What? Take that as a yes. We talked about him. A lot. I guess he had an antibody that could fight off any virus. Apparently, he abused his gift. Took it for granted. And then ended up turning himself into some kind of monster. You know, I thought dear old dad was just a deadbeat who skipped out on us. No, no, no. He was actually a freaking nut job who almost destroyed the world. Your father's actions have nothing to do with you. Yeah, but his blood does. It's the whole reason why we're even here. I mean, come on. You really think that crazy doesn't run in the family? That nothing of who my father was didn't somehow get passed on down to me? You of all people should know that's true. I'm just saying. The man that I am, things that I've done, at least it all makes a little bit more sense now. You can blame your father all you want, but at some point, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. With regards to Jake, the only thing I have a problem I don't mind him being a Wesker son of some sort. It's just the background story behind that is ridiculous. I, you know, I, I, I made a post a couple of weeks ago that if Jake had been like 
the final sadistic experiment from Spencer, you know, genetically engineering a son for him to see whether the son would carry the same blood type would have been brilliant. Yeah. A nice sort of throwback to the old story. But the, just the fact that Wesker had a crazy one night stand in Raccoon City circa, what year was it? 1991 or something? Edonia, yeah. wasn't it? No, she came to America, didn't she? His yeah. mother came to America for a duration of time. Yeah, she oh. she was from Edonia. And then she took Jake back to Edonia without telling Wesker of his existence. So basically, Jake is a byproduct of a one night stand from Wesker. It, a drunken night out with, with the lads. At Jay's bar. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, just, it just seems crazy. I mean, in one sense, you could argue it adds a nice human side to Wesker. That I guess he did just do those kind of things, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Really, hey, come it, on. It, 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 it didn't fit easy at the beginning. As I said, I, I think it was handled well enough to just about get away with it. But I think the, the underlying problem is the fact that you had the Wesker children. Yeah. You know, to suddenly have the Wesker children, but then decide, no, we'll have a Wesker child. Why couldn't it have been Alex Wesker's underwater yeah. base? You know, Alex Wesker, he would have had a reason for capturing Jake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, but part of me does feel that because Alex and Jake have got such similar traits, I think... Capcom were considering Alex Wesker and somewhere along the line that idea of Alex has that character of Alex has evolved into Jake. Yeah, it'd be interesting to quiz some I... producers to because I remember when, when it was first announced it wasn't just our websites and all the fans going, oh is it Alex? You know, it's a big websites like IGN and GameSpot were going, the rumours are it could be Alex Wesker from the DLC of Resident Evil 5. They shouldn't be picking up on those kind of things because they're so small and minute. But this was being picked up by everyone as possibly Alex Wesker. I'm, I'm surprised that they wasn't thought about. Well, going back to that interview Sean mentioned before, they actually did consider bringing Wesker back. Yeah. And oh, yeah, they did. I forgot about that. And then they thought, no, we can't because that's too stupid even for us. They were thinking of a way to bring him back. And you're thinking, well, Alex Wesker, Alex Wesker. And in the end, they couldn't think of anything. So they thought, right, let's create Jake and have him as Wesker's son. But yeah, that I'd actually said that interview shows they've no idea who Alex Wesker is and would yeah. and yeah. sort of indirectly tells you that he's never going to make an, an appearance in the series again. I think they also said Jake originally wasn't going to be his son, and they just added it later down the line, you know, as a way to sort of keep Wesker in the story. And if that's truly what they've done, then yeah, it just proves that they don't know who Alex Wesker is. Nope. Or they've no intention of using him. And even if they did introduce him in Resident Evil 7, it would be getting complicated. You know, you would There'd have... there be a lot of Weskers going around. Albert Wesker, the main villain, dead, his son, and now this Alex. You know, it's, unless it's overkill. They, unless they just pull a blinder and Jake is actually Alex's son. <laughs> Le- <laughs> wrong, legitimate wrong son. But as I said, I mean, when, when obviously it all came in out, we, we were worried that this Jake's going to have superpowers because uh, initially we thought we, we, you'd do the whole game in melee, wasn't it? And then, you know, you'd be using all Wesker-esque powers. So I was pleased that wasn't the case. And he was just relatively normal. It was actually Sherry that has the superpowers. Mm. Don't worry, George, just healing powers. Okay, okay. It's not. She hasn't got anything silly. It's just, and it makes again. It's very. It's plausible because she's she's a G human, of course, isn't she? Yeah. The only one. Yeah. So there we go. So it always seems quite odd when it says your partner died. You're like, well, how? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Chris. Glad to see you're okay. Wait, was that you who just freed us? Looks like you guys saved the day again, huh? 
can see your father in you. How did you know? Wait, what... hold on a second. I see you know him? Yeah, I did. But I'm the one that killed him. between me and him. Go ahead. Shoot. You have every right to. <laughs> Just promise me you'll survive. The world depends on it. Who the hell are you to tell me what to do? Stop it! Put your gun down! Now! Tell me. We just following orders? Was it personal? Both. Give me Jake, please stop. Put a bullet Just in your put head. Put your gun down. Drop your weapon. Do this. There are more important things at stake than you and me. Right, we can move on to the extras of the game. Uh, I'm afraid, once again, I'm, I'm not really useful in this. There's agent hunt mode, but you've got to be careful when saying that first. What's that like? I, I'm intrigued. I, I actually look forward to that more than... It's daft fun. Daft. I mean, it is hilarious playing as a zombie, because they don't move properly. They just sway and swing all over, and they're impossible to control. But the moment you kill another player, you will enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> It, when it's happening to you, it's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, I tried it out before, and I randomly appeared in the mansion on the upper floor balcony of the room with the piano in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a Juavo with my suit on and my samurai sword, and I found it really difficult to control, and the camera was a bit weird, and I, I tried to kill whoever was playing as Jake, and he inevitably beat the shit out of me. <laughs> and you fall back and I thought right I was dead and then all of a sudden I mutated into uh, oh Christ I don't know what it was one of the really weird Juavo with wings and all sorts and you know it does sound like fun you know it's it's quite a clever little mode quickly go back to the piano how disappointed were you when it wasn't Moonlight Sonata Sonata couldn't have done it again surely oh, nah. oh, I it don't was know. a perfect margin lost in nightmares I don't know. I was hoping for a bit of moonlight. What's the mercenaries like? I hate mercenaries generally, but Operation Mad Jackal, that's good. I don't like... I don't. I, like I find it hard to keep a score. It's not difficult in terms of staying alive. It's hard in terms of stringing a score because the levels are so big now that I find the spawn points so far apart, it's hard to keep a combo going. You've sort of got to wait a little bit first to let the level populate itself so then you can start a combo, but you know, I end up running out of time before I end up dying because I just cannot get the good scores. Mm. But it's as disposable as it always is. There's is no it, is cameo it, characters. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Is it the same Cut. as four or five? And... Yeah, you get time bonuses, and yeah, yeah. the only sort of gem of a hidden character in it is Carla. Oh right, okay. But she just plays like Ada, so it's the bonus costumes are fun. It's nice having Leon as Salazar. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, he gets a Salazar alternate outfit. Wow. <laughs> Chris gets a samurai outfit. Sherry gets predictably a schoolgirl. There's some retro outfits coming out later, which are very polygonal. You, know, you can see the angles. And Leon gets an RPD Res 2 outfit, as in his Res 2 model. You know, oh, right, low right. polygon count and everything. So we've got, as I said, we are touching the news and DLCs coming up to be able to go around Ada's mode with generic marine. That's coming out soon. What, does, it, does anyone expect any kind of uh, Lost in Nightmares style DLC? The ending to Ada's campaign with Jake. I don't know if that's meant to just play out as an epilogue or a teaser for future DLC. It basically shows Jake in a sort of Kijuju style environment talking to this little girl and you see these silhouettes of these creatures outside. And uh, she gives him an apple, which is his asking price for hiring him. And then he goes out and presumably kills all these BOWs. I don't know if that's meant to be an epilogue or a hint to future DLC. I don't know. But personally, I'd think if there is going to be character DLC, I'd like them just to have an extra chapter each. An extra chapter for Leon in Tall Oaks would be good. And, you know, uh, just another tr- another chapter just to really sort of enhance the story and, and please some sort of fucking patch to put the files in the game. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be good. Yeah, I mean, th- there's problems with that. and Because they're all on this kind of this RE.net service, which Archeron tells us was an old Resident Evil website, fan website, but now been taken over. You can use that, can't you? Because it's advertised heavily during the game to upload all your scores. and It's pretty good as a, you know, I've... I've played a few of the games which use a service like this and it's not bad the live events are good fun you know like the the current live event is get the highest mercenary score for the first merc level last week it was kill the most zombies you know across all the game types and and that kind of stat tracking is fun if you're into that mm, um, but if you're not then the only thing the website offers you is unlockable costumes and uh, the files and the files are brilliant they are they should be in the game. Right, well, on that note, I think perhaps if everyone wants to sum up and then give a mark out of ten. I'm going to start with George. Should we go with fa- favourite moment first? Okay, we'll go favourite moment. Then. Well, my, I mean, what I can say is limited in terms of gameplay. I've only completed Leon's campaign. From what I've seen, I don't think I'm going to get any highlights from really from Jake's or Chris. And highlight for, for me within Leon's campaign, I would say the fight with the survivors. For me, that's what Resident Evil should be about. And... I really found myself in concern, not just for myself, for my own safety, but the safety of the group as well. It's obviously scripted, but the first time it happens, you know, the cars screeching past you, smashing into the walls, um, really gave me that feeling of of chaos. Um, So I I really enjoyed that. Would have loved to have said Tall Oaks. That's a huge missed opportunity in the university there. Okay. Stars, Darren? Favourite moment? Mm. Ada shooting up the lab. Not only only the standout, standout moment for the game, but one of the best moments in the series. The moment we get to find out who this character is is going to be a real special moment for me. So, yeah, that, definitely. I would like to have said the uh, Neptune slash shark moment, but I'm afraid I hated the underwater <laughs> section, so I can't really comment on that. For me, I, I, did, I did like Leon's before he got to China, because obviously when you first play it, you're, you're suddenly in China. I was, I was expecting to be in the university, and obviously you die, because there's no way you, you could possibly prepare yourself for the... Um, for whatever comes at you in that pre-Tall Oak section. Did you die there? Did everyone die there? First time? What, in the sewer? In China, weren't you? Because the first time you play it for the first time. Oh, the prelude. The prelude, yeah, yeah. That's ho- like you... horrible. Horrible. Awful moment. Yeah, died. And then, like, oh, this is bollocks. And then, 
Is that what that prelude chapter is, by the way? It's basically a tutorial, isn't it? But it just doesn't help. It basically advertises all the worst parts of the game. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, I was expecting to be in Toolex, and I really, I did really like the Toolex section. It was certainly the most creepy, and I, th- I think for me, maybe the, the whole cathedral part was just great, culminating with the, the Lepazita fight. I thought because he, he was quite tricky the first time when you're first doing it, and he's an appropriate level boss for an appropriate level section. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. And generally, all the crossing over sections, I thought was quite clever. But generally, it's going to be the cathedral for me. Uh, Batman? My favourite moment was Chris Chapter 3 with the battle with the uh, the snake, where your team gets picked off one by one. This tower block, it's really sort of cramped, claustrophobic environment. You can hear your team getting attacked on the radio. I thought it was a really, really good moment. Yeah, I, I did like that. But I would say I'm not quite sure why it needed to be invisible. I'm not quite sure of the that. If they remove that, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it benefit because it wasn't exactly difficult to see. The laser effect was amazing. Um, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Just remembered, it does have the goriest death of any creature in any game ever. Oh, in the in the that the thing that in the sink that that was wicked. Oh, that's <laughs> a horrible moment. No. Yeah, and going going in together if you get done as well is brilliant. So I love that. I thought, oh, yeah. And it's like... It's <laughs> really, really, really violent if you fail that QTE. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> anyway. Can I just make one more point before we move on? And I've just got one as well. Go. How would you okay. guys have felt if you didn't know... If you went into this game and you didn't know about the whole... If you could play it in chronological order and you didn't know about the whole Carla Radame clone thing? In terms of, say for example, you start off as Chris and you play through the first level and you team up with this woman who says she's Ada Wong and you immediately think of Ada Wong, how you know her in Resident Evil 2 and 4 and then all of a sudden she wipes out your entire team and then as you go through the game there's more and more evidence saying that Ada Wong's gone completely ballistic. This company that she's apparently been working for all along behind the scenes is called Neo Umbrella and she does want to destroy the world. Oh my god. (laughs) See... Now you've said that, if had we not had the leak in January about Carla Radame, that might have worked. Yeah, I'm just wondering if because literally everybody knew about it, and that was that is the story's biggest reveal, biggest surprise. And like you said, that was ruined as soon as the game was announced. It was that first trailer, that first leak on GameFAQs. Yeah, had, and had the names. Because if you, I mean, the story up until you get halfway through the game, the story is so intriguing. You know, you have Jake and Sherry get captured by this group called Neo Umbrella. And, you know, Umbrella's been hinted at resurrection several times throughout the series. And you think, is is this somehow related to what Wesker was doing? And then you get Chris with his team wiped out, losing his memory. You know, Leon walking around Tall Oaks, the classic RE, with discovering bits of the government conspiracy. And then you find the classic lab and the video of Ada. And it's all coming together. But as soon as you get to China, it just loses its way completely. So if you were forced to play Chris's campaign first, then you actually get a first glimpse at Ada on the aircraft carrier. Yeah. Because as you're running through the boat, you get to see the blue Ada, but then if you look at certain times, you get to see the red one as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You and if you've it. not got if you've not got pre-insight that there's two Adas, if you've not been told about that, I'm not sure whether the players would have noticed that they're wearing different things. Well, if you talk about the scene where Leon and Chris confront each other, if you didn't know about Carla Radame, like you said, you've not seen the real Ada up until that point. You've only seen her as Leon in Tall Oaks. 
And because this is set several days later, you think, well, yeah, it's totally logical that Ada would have changed her outfit. Yeah. So you, as the player, would have thought that is the real Ada one that Leon's trying to protect. Whereas... And then at a stretch, you can go, if you're taking that route, you've never seen Ada be a, much of a bitch but, and, and kill people, but only when she's with Leon, she's always quite nice. But then for the first time, you've, have, you've got Ada interacting with other people like Chris, and yeah, of course she's going to kill them all with the C-Virus, because she's a bitch. But yeah. she just has feelings for Leon. That's why she that's why she helps him out. And that's uh, that's the source of the conflict between them two, because they... Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. But because you know it's not the real Ada, it loses something. I think with, with that in mind, I think we as fans would have got the most from that, but I've got a, a friend who I was playing with co-op the other day, and he, he follows the series in a big way, but he's not part of the internet community. And he didn't feel the Carla Radame angle, even though he didn't know anything about it beforehand. Just felt it wholly unnecessary. Mm. So, though I think we as fans would have got the most from it, because, yeah, I, I quite agree with that, and you've put a new perspective on it for me, that would have been amazing to have gone through the game thinking, what is Ada up to now? What is she doing? Mm. And then to have it turned on its axis and and that would have also worked wonders actually playing as ada because yeah. if you think all you know of ada is like in adonia and then you play as ada and you think hang on a minute we've not got the adonia levels yeah well just imagine right if you played through if you completed jake's chris's and leon's campaign and you think fucking hell ada's died she's been yeah. shot and she's fallen off she's dead fucking hell what's happened why wasn't why didn't she shag leon fuck off fuck off and then all, all of a sudden you play as ada and you find out what really happened and it turns out it wasn't there that would have been perfect the way that scene's directed is that it makes you it it's got the shock value that you're supposed to think it's ada isn't it yeah if it, the more we discuss it the more it pains me how many missed opportunities there were it does and it would have been quite cool to ha- actually have ada as a bad guy because, as I said, I think we've discussed numerous times ago, this is not what Ada would do. Ada, she's never really killed anyone. She's always been quite nice. Well, and she, she's been a bit deceitful around the back, but she's never... But then it, we've only ever seen Ada through Leon's point of view. Well, in, in Chapter 5 of Ada's campaign, she actually goes out of her way to start saving people. When she's in the helicopter, she, help, she helps a lot of survivors around the city. Yeah, safety. And like, there's a moment in chapter is it four, but where she actually helps Sherry and Jake and says, you know, I'm yeah. gonna repay the repay the favors your parents gave to me and things like that. And yeah, you know, she goes out of her way to save Sherry. And so yeah, again, this game, if it does nothing else, it actually shows Ada really isn't a bad person. She has almost good intentions, you would argue. Which goes back to my original point. The only point of introducing Carla was purely just for that one scene. Yeah. So so there's that kind of, ah, like that. And it, it's pointless. I don't mind how, the way they've depicted Ada in this game. I think it's as as Ada is. That's fine. But what, you know, the, the whole point of the Carla thing was just to have that moment in, in the factory where they're fighting one another. Mm.
Chris? Leon! What are you doing here? Put your gun down, Chris. She's a key witness. We need her. A witness? She's the one who did all this! No, it wasn't her. It was Simmons, the National Security Advisor. I lost all my men because of her! And I lost over 70,000 people, including the president, because of Simmons. She's working for Neo Umbrella. You know what that means? Yeah, I do. And you're still going to protect this woman? I am. Simmons. Chris! I know you'll do the right thing. Are you sure we can rely on him? He's been in this as long as I have. I trust him. All right. Come on. Let's find Simmons. That's, that's one thing that's disappointing as well as for all the build-up, they never actually have a face-to-face -face moment where they both look identical. Like, Ada meets Carla, but Carla isn't looking like Ada at that point. Mm. There's never a moment where they... I mean, in one sense, I'm pleased because it was almost you were almost certain of a cliched moment where Leon's got his gun aimed at both of them yeah. and they're uh, <laughs> pretending that they're both the real Ada. I mean, I'm pleased the game didn't do that. <laughs> Another homage to Gaiden. Avoid. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, it really is, isn't it? What is her name in that? Lucia. Lucia, that's it. Interestingly, it also had a, had her own profile on the uh, the official Resident Evil website one day, one time. There we go. Another day, another day. So, um, okay, then what would everyone score out of ten? Again, we'll start with George. Oh, I mean, along with Resident Evil Zero, this is going to be the hardest one for me to mark. I, I suppose, I mean, taking into consideration the highs and the lows, and the lows for me particularly are the lack of explanation, that, you know, how particularly linear uh, Leon's campaign was, um, lack of in-game files, the inventory system being messed with, extra sub-menus added to the health. I, I found the controls and the, um, and the combat controls absolutely fine. I would give it, I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. Uh, stars? Well, I'll just uh, quickly say before I give a score, I'm pleased they've got this game out of their system. Because this is the game they've been threatening since <laughs> since the latter stages of Resident Evil 4. You know, and the, as soon as they added a cover system in Resident Evil 5, you know, this is the game that, you know, they have threatened for a long, long time. And now they've got it out of their system. I genuinely believe, and I would, I would put money on it, and say Resident Evil 7 will be nothing like this. We have seen a goodbye to this stage of Resident Evil game. That said, 
I do enjoy playing it. The story is, on the whole, horrible. But when you prepare for that the second time through, you enjoy it a lot more, I think. So with the character sections, the Ada ending, I'm going to give it a solid 7. For me, it's better than Resident Evil 5, which is a problem, because I can't remember what score I gave Resident Evil 5 in the Resident Evil 5 podcast. So it's one one above whatever I gave Resident Evil 5. That'll be one then. I think I gave it either 6 or 7. But for this, for me personally, yeah, I, I, as, as I said earlier, I liked all the cross sections where meeting things. I, I, I especially got a kick out the first time you get a proper cross section with Leon when you're in the kind of lab section. You just see Chris and Pierce next door. I thought that was excellent. I didn't like the controls as I went in my earlier rant. I didn't. There's lots of things I just didn't like the first time. But a lot of these were jotted down when I was first playing it. And you get used to the controls, but there's still fundamental problems. I would say seven. I would say a, a good solid seven. There's enough good on it to make it passable as as a Resident Evil game. So seven for me. Batman. I enjoyed the variety the game offered with the different gameplay styles. You know, one minute you're in a war zone, the next minute you're walking through tall oaks with thunder and lightning coming through the walls. You know, good variety with the enemies and the different locations. But for every great moment the game threw up there was an equally horrible one you know most of the vehicle sections didn't work qtes were just bordering on ridiculous and basically resident evil 6 just reeks of capcom wanting a series revolution and the same sort of reaction they got with resident evil 4 but they were just not sure how to do it so they just ended up with throwing everything in and including the kitchen sink approach yeah you know just to see if that would work and it just hasn't uh i'll give it a score of seven seven as well well, that's enough of what we've got to discuss about the game. But what about other people? We have had call-ins. And the first one comes from our resident call-in person, Vito. So let's have a listen. Wow. Resident Evil 6 reviews are all over the place. It has 9 score reviews, 7 score reviews, 4.5 score reviews, which is ridiculous. The GameStop actually taught Resident Evil 6 in Operation Raccoon City were the same quality. I mean, really? I, I, I will admit, Resident Evil 6 has problems, but the media is overblowing those problems way too much. Sure, the quick time events can frustrate it sometimes, but I actually didn't mind them because of one simple reason. Capcom made a fantastic checkpoint system. 95% of the game when you died out of a quick time event, you don't have to replay a lot of the game. Most of the cases, you actually respawn at the same exact moment you died at a quick time event. It, it really didn't frustrate me that. Okay, I died, so what? I have to. I, I, I can re- replay the quick time event and actually do it this time. Not a big deal, in, to be honest. The second most hated issue was the camera. Yes, I would admit, sometimes, on tight spaces, the camera can fuck you up and can get you killed. But I rarely encountered this in my 30 hours of gameplay. I rarely died a lot because of the camera. It's really not a big deal. Now, this is a complaint I absolutely don't get. Okay, Capcom made Resident Evil 4 many years ago, it had, well, in my, in my first try, it had 16 hours of gameplay. 
people place that. Now, Resident 5 comes out and it has half of the length of that, eight hours. People bitch about that. So what does Capcom do next? They make a 25 story hour long game. And what does the media do? They fucking bitch about that. Why? It's crazy. Why do you bitch about a game being too long? I don't get it. This is the first game in months that, it, for me, it actually it works get paid $60 for it. I actually felt the value of the game. I don't get it. It's stupid to complain about that. Now, let's talk about the gameplay here. I don't know about you guys, but I'm having a fucking blast playing this game. The mobility options are huge. You can sprint, slide to the ground, roll on the ground, shoot on the ground, evade attacks, counter attacks, do quick shots, which are very useful on mercenaries, which is the best mercenaries I have played. You can also melee at will. It's just amazing. I'm really, really enjoying myself. Now let's talk about the story. I know that some of you guys were really disappointed about the story. But me, personally, I wasn't. I really thought it was a good story. Not amazing. Not the best in the series, of course. Five is the best story for me, actually. But it was a really good story. I really enjoyed it. It had some epic scenes in there. Chris versus Leon, anybody? That was really a kick-ass scene. Now, characters. I know, I know, we all were disappointed that Capcom didn't reveal anything concrete about Ada. But let's be realistic here. I really don't think Capcom will reveal anything at all about Ada until they decide to kill her off. Just like Wesker. Now, Carla. I really like Carla. She seemed like a cool behind-the-scenes character just like Wesker. She really had a sad story. And Simmons. Simmons, uh, a really forgettable villain, if you ask me. Pathetically injecting, injected uh, by the sea virus against his own will. Really didn't care for him much. Pierce. Holy shit. Capcom finally killed a playable protagonist after more than 10 years. Bravo, Capcom. Bravo, you finally had the balls to kill somebody. <clears throat> Helena. Oh, fuck. I just, has, I just have one word to describe her. That ass. Now, Leon. <sighs> Still pursuing the same fucking girl after 15 years. You have to really, really give it to the guy for his patience. <laughs> Chris. Oh, fuck. Chris has easily become my favorite character in the series. I really enjoyed him him on this game.
Now, um, Jake and Sherry. I really, really, really like the pairing. They make a great team. I hope they return in on future Resident Evil game. And oh fuck, did I actually see character development with Jake there? She started like an asshole the campaign and actually became a, fuck, a fucking respectable guy at the end. Really. K and BOWs for an apple? <laughs> That's great! Now, let's talk about the files. I know, I know, the shooting the fucking ambulance to get the files was, was annoying. More annoying was the fact that the files were incomplete on the game. And you'd think I would actually bitch about that. But, nope. I actually didn't care. You know why? Because the translations are a fucking joke. I'm actually... Actually, thank you guys for that. For translating that piece of shit work. You actually made the series more coherent and better. Thank you, Welsh. Thank you, Newsbot. Thank you. Thank everybody else that does those translations. Thank you. Now, to close off, Resident Evil 6. Not a perfect game, of course. Fun? Fuck yeah. My favorite in the series? Mm, it's up there. Really, I really enjoyed the game. 9 out of 10 for me. Fantastic game. Wow, indeed. Certainly our highest score out of everyone here. I'm pleased he enjoyed it. He, see, yeah, he sounded like he had a great time. I'm surprised he thought it was a really good story, but he didn't like the character of Simmons. Mm. Yeah. And he didn't have issues with the camera. I did. The camera bothered me a lot more in the earlier demos, but they, they went a long way in the finished game to sort in it. The new patch will be amazing because it'll be fully customizable for the field of vision. Okay. Yeah, that'll be good, that. But I like what you're saying about the characters. I mean, obviously, we've not really talked about Helena much, but she had quite a nice backstory. You know, how she... Uh, atta- she did look weird, though. And the graphics on her were odd. She's just got a scowl on her face yeah, the it's whole like game. A, yeah, a permanent frown. <laughs> but yeah, she's all right. I thought the whole kind of thing with Deborah, just to, you know, have a bit more emotional uh, investment, if you like, with her. And The problem with Helena is all I do is I hear, because of Laura Bailey, all I hear is... Um, the character from Degeneration. What's her name? Angela. Angela, yeah. And I just think oh, they missed an opportunity it... to put... An- it's the same voice actress, yeah. And oh. I just think Helena could have been... That would have been quite good. Could have been that character. And it would have been nicely tied in and followed on from that storyline. And it would have made sense. She would have left the SRT of Harvardville. Yeah. And yeah, it could have made sense. And it could have been a nice romantic standoff between her and Ada. Oh, you see, you've done it there. It should have now been that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, talking about the length, do you think the length of the game is a little bit misleading in the fact that a lot of the chapters only take about 40 minutes to complete and there is a lot of crossover sections? And the cutscenes are quite long as well. I I mean, I could be wrong here, but I don't think this game... I mean, it's long enough, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's longer than, say, Resident Evil 4. The first time through, I remember the first time... I did Leon chapter one, it took me an hour and 49 minutes or whatever. Yeah. The second time I did it, I think it took me 58. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, you can cut the game down a long way. I mean... And do you know why? Different? Do you know why, Sean, it took you so long the first time? Not because of the controls, because your inherent Resident Evil nature, wanting to explore and find things. To be honest, you're probably not wrong with that, actually. I think the first time you go through the game, you're looking mm. for things. 
and then the second time through, and this is what I was saying earlier, the second time through you shape your anticipation of the game to match what you're actually getting. Yeah. And so the second time through, you know there's no need to sort of search everywhere yeah, because just you run. know there's simply nothing to ex- you know nothing to search. So you just run through it. So yeah, I mean, what was the level I played last? It was Leon Chapter Four on Wednesday when I, I played it with the chap I was telling you about earlier. Leon Chapter Four. I think the first time through it, you know, it took a long time, and we clocked it in 40 minutes the other day, just over half an hour. And I know the first time it took me well over an hour. Hmm. Be interesting to see what the uh, speed runners, what sort of times they come out with. Mm. Right, we've had a, uh, we've had another call in. This one's from our Australian friend, Selfish Gene. So let's hear what he's got to say. Good evening, all. Gene here. Um, thought I'd call into the show to talk about my thoughts on Resident Evil 6. I should preface this by saying one, I haven't finished Resident Evil 6, and two, I've been at the pub, but I don't think either of those facts will hinder me from offering my opinion. Um, first things first, I should say how far I did get into Resident Evil 6 before I took it out of the PlayStation. Um, I finished Leon's scenario, I did all five chapters. Um, I did most of the third chapter, I think, of Chris's, and I just started the third on Jake's. Um, so I'll kind of offer my thoughts on each of them. Um, I thought Leon's was really, really good, especially the first three chapters. The third especially I thought was really, really good. It, like... Resident Evil 5 gave us silly environments, Resident Evil 4 even did it before that, so you kind of take those, and just the gameplay style, um, you know, of having, you know, different enemies, some have got armour, some have got dynamite, and you've got to crawl through this dungeon, taking them out slowly, you haven't got much ammo, I thought was really, really effectual, I liked it a lot, and then you got to the, the swimming bit, with, and then the, the fish boss, and I thought it was a bit stupid, and I kind of sat there for a while, just, you know, I got really busy with other things. Then I came back and did the fourth chapter, which seemed to be just, you know, God knows how many mutations of Simmons. And then the fifth chapter, which was even more mutations of Simmons. But on the whole, it didn't really answer much. I just thought Simmons, there's no twist. He's just, he's the bad guy. And sure enough, he's actually the bad guy. And that's that. Um, some of the set pieces, actually the, the plain set piece with the... the the gas monster I thought was really really awesome. I just liked how it you know you knew you saw it at the front of the plane. You go to the back of the plane to get rid of it, and you know that all those zombies are going to get up as you go to the front of the plane. And sure enough, it happens. It's really predictable, but I don't know. I, I just thought it was really really cool. Um, the rest of it I didn't really think was that great. Um, I thought that because of the non-linear n- narrative of the game, that you, you can play the chapters in any order, that that kind of held them back on the story. So I thought I'd at least finish one campaign before I got really worried about what or what wouldn't be in the story. So I started Chris's campaign, and you go into some building, and you fight your way there, and there's hostages, and you've got to rescue these two hostages. And I thought, I don't know who they are, or why they're held hostage, or who's holding them hostage, or why they're important. But yeah, I can kind of go with that. That that's your objective. You got to rescue these hostages, and you do that. And of course, nothing's explained to you. Then you go flashback to Adonia, and, and that's all fine for the second chapter. But when I finished Leon's campaign, I just realised that there's no actual real story in the game itself. It's all in the files on the menu, like Resident Evil 5 mostly was, or at least the, the really meaty background stuff in Resident Evil 5 was in the menu. There was still context and flavour files in the world. Um, but Resident Evil 6 doesn't even have that. There's just, like, nothing. 
it, this is bare. Like any of these environments, I mean, I don't care about. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know who I'm there to rescue. Like those hostages who who kidnapped them. In so far at that point in the game, you have no idea who kidnapped them. Kidnapped them. And I mean, that's good for building intrigue. But I mean, I nearly finished the third chapter, and there's still no hint of resolution. And even if it does come later, I just don't care. Like I, I just gave up on the game. So I saw the invisible snake, and I killed the invisible snake, and then I got to the next bit. We got to shoot down another attack helicopter, and, and I don't know who's piloting it. I don't know why they're shooting at me. They're like they're bad dudes. That's what they do. Um, and so I got knocked down by the helicopter, and then just the goons on the ground would knock me down again as soon as I got back up. And then when I got back up, the helicopter rockets would knock me down, and then the goons would get me again. And so I got chain-stunned like five or six times, and I just thought, not only is this... It's not playable, like, it's just garbage. Like, I, even if I reloaded and tried again, I don't care. Like... Like the man, the, the unit squad dude who turned into a swarm of killer bees. I don't know who he was. I don't care about him. I don't care about anything in this game. Um, the the world that I'm in, like like the Chinese dentist that I went through, like that's the only kind of thing I could see where they've tried to just put a little bit of flavour into the world. Because other than that, there's nothing. Um, yeah, and, and Chris is the biggest prick in the world, it seems. that That's how they've written his character. He might redeem himself, um, but I'd probably find out about that from the main menu, not the game itself. The gameplay felt derivative. I didn't even get up to the vehicle sections I've heard are really horrible. One thing I will mention is the Invisible Snake boss, and like that had me really crawling through these environments with my gun raised, you know, sweeping with the laser, and I thought, that's kind of cool, but... I'm only doing that because that's the only way you can see this boss to cause damage to it. Whereas in earlier games in the series, I'd be you know behaving like that because I didn't have enough ammo to deal with encounters, or you know I wanted to make sure that when I met an enemy, I'd be on the front foot and shoot it immediately. But I just thought if that's the only way they can increase tension in this game, is to make an invisible snake who has no fucking justification or rationale as to its appearance, then it's just lazy and boring. And, and the people like me, and I suspect the people who listen to this program, who really care about the lore and the universe and maybe even some of the kind of biology behind this series, will see an invisible giant snake and just think, that's just fucking stupid. Mm. Um, and speaking of fucking stupid, the boss at the end of Jake's first chapter, um, where he's throwing himself between helicopters, yeah, I think we can all agree that was fucking stupid. Um, and the second scenario with the avalanches, that was just really frustrating, but I don't, wouldn't call that a boss. And then, oh, quick time events, I'm not even going to comment on that, because I didn't have such a problem with those, but... Yeah, then I got my weapons taken away in the third chapter, and I thought... Whatever happens to this guy, I just don't care. Yeah, it's... Because I, I know nothing's going to be in the gameplay. It's all going to be in these files. And if the gameplay is not good, which it's not, then forget it. Yeah, so that's kind of where I gave up on the game. Yeah, um, that's my closing thoughts. Really, really sad, actually. It's a long time I found this series. It's just so disappointing. Yeah, not much else to say. 
at all, other than uh, fuck ropes. Yeah, I don't think they even play tested this game because if they did, they they would have realised that that bit's just not fun and just done something else, have him automatically climb or push one button to have him climb because that's just it's infuriating. It breaks the flow of the gameplay and it's just just bad. Yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents. Uh, comment on it. Disagree. Agree. Yeah. Um, call me unqualified because I haven't finished the game. That's fine, but yeah, I don't think it's worth finishing, and that's my opinion. All right. Peace out, guys. That's a that's a good call. I I mean, I can certainly see a lot more where Gene's coming from than Vito's. And I'm so pleased I'm not the only one that had problems with that rope. I genuinely thought it's just my idiotic gameplay, but it seems to be fairly universal, so that makes me feel a bit better. What an amazing call in stark mm. contract to Vito's, as you say. It's, mm. Vito was all full of praise, and Gene kind of takes our views. That just sort of demonstrates, doesn't it? The contrast, whether you've still got passion for the series and where it's going, like Vito has, to someone like Gene, who's maybe, you know, an old school guy who prefers the earlier games and just doesn't like the change in direction at all. I'm, I'm happy with, with the direction it chooses to go in, because I always appreciate changing things. But he does hit a very good thing, Gene does. What the fuck does the snake derive from, exactly? Yeah. How, how does the sea virus magically create a semi-invisible snake. Well, like, where does it come from? Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's no uniformity between any of the mutations of the C-virus at all. It's, it's literally just whatever, you know, Capcom literally dreamt up for that particular moment. Yeah, I guess it may be a throwback to the yawn for Chris, maybe. I was just going to say, yeah, that's exactly where it derives from, yeah. I'm surprised he liked uh, Leon Chapter 3, because that's the, chap- <laughs> the chapter most people don't really like. It feels a bit pointless. But he was right about Simmons as well. There's no twist to him. You see him and you think he's going to yeah. be the baddie. And he is the baddie. Yeah, as you said, George, it's revealed really early on with obviously the kind of serpent thing you see. Yeah, I mean, it's so sort of hammed up just in his voice, the tone of voice and his expression. Yeah, I mean, Skyfall actually does a similar thing in that they introduce a Ralph Fiennes character very early on. John will know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, you think he's not going to be who he is, and then he turns out to be... Exactly who he is. Well, no, he don't. He turns out to be someone different. Okay. I'm not... And and that's a nice contrast to what we've got with Simmons, in that it would have been very nice if Simmons had actually mm. turned out to not be who we all think he is. Imagine if Simmons had turned around and actually been like, actually, I don't want these bioterror attacks to happen. Yeah. So a bit like the Professor Snape. <laughs> yeah, exactly, actually. That's a very good very good comparison the, the whole thing is it's so predictable at the same time like if you've guessed it and predicted it you don't feel any sense of achievement because it's so paint by numbers anyway you know there's no part of the game you feel you're ahead of it in terms of i, I know where this is going even if the game doesn't think i know because mm. it's just so laid out in front of you Great. the only thing i didn't expect i did not expect simmons to become a monster i thought capcom were at a point where they were cleverer than that. They had shown signs, hadn't they? Uh, with, like, Frederick Downing and the woman from Damnation. They weren't going to do it, but... Anyway, thank you very much for your call-ins. We now move on to this. Their minds will be tested. I, I have an answer, but it's based on a thread that Welsh made. Experiments will be undertaken. I've been told by the boss that you have to be deducted a point. Fuck off. Great knowledge is needed. <laughs> I got massive knot out of five last time. 
and a new power will arise. Jesus Christ. Any question is that? You said these questions weren't hard. I don't know. 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 I don't Time for Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! And welcome to season two of Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz. After last season's dramatic ending, the scores have now been reset, and it's a chance for Ty and Batman to get back into the game. Or will George Trevor take a 2-0 commanding lead? But for now, that's in the future. That's in the future. The scores are all nil-nil. We've got five more questions. It's the same rules apply, except there is a new rule. A new rule for this season. Each player, including the guest, I know we haven't got a guest this week, can play a Joker card. <laughs> Hopefully I'll explain it a bit better than I did for Survival Horror Family Fortunes. <laughs> right. Now, the guests can do this at any point when they're on, because obviously they're not on every week. But for you guys, if you don't know an answer to a question, you can ask Newsbot. Ask Newsbot. <laughs> <laughs> a, li- a lifeline, so to speak. Players can ask Newsbot after the question is asked, not during the answer round. So if I ask a question and you go, I, I don't think I'm going to know that one. I'm going to ask Newsbot. And then only one person can use this lifeline on that question, can't use it at the same time. And you only get to play your Joker card once in the next 10 podcasts. So use it wisely. We'll understand, but obviously it's not really applicable this time because Newspot's not longer with us, so same rules apply. So a quick look at the uh, guest leaderboard. Ridley and the Wanderer remain top with four points. Rombie comes in second with three points, along with Welsh, Smiley and Archelon. I gave him a bonus point for getting the uh, tie break question right at the end of season one. Syndra's on two and a half. Selfish Gene and Zombie Fred are on one. So let's start with question number one. This is a question from El Veltro. Uh, concerns Resident Evil 6. What is the name of Helena's handgun? Uh, I was playing it earlier as well. And I looked at it. And you looked at it as well. Can you remember it? Did anyone need a clue? Yep. It begins with P. That's the clue. That, well, that, that could do, yeah. And I think it's also the name of... If you want to go and buy a second-hand Vauxhall car in this country, that's who you go, that's who you go to. Anyway, question number two comes from Vito and I have to say Vito has come back with a vengeance. At the end of Resident Evil 5, Chris and the rest escaped on a helicopter. The helicopter has a visible number on it painted white. Jesus what number Christ. was it? Let's just go for that again please. At the end of Resident Evil 5, Chris and Jill and uh, Sheva escape on the helicopter. This helicopter has a visible number painted on it in white. What number is it? He's not lost his touch. No. Yeah, I refuse to believe anybody that thinks they know that. <laughs> <laughs> we 
It's a number between one and a hundred. Oh, great. <laughs> great. So hopefully some questions there. And question number three comes from Detective Boulegard. I have to apologise. He actually sent me these this question in May <laughs> via PM, and I just forgot to use them. So apologies to uh, Detective there. It's a timeline question. On what date is Rockford Island completed? Slash, what date is the training military complex completed? Not looking for a year. Not looking for a year. No, but... Well, you, you can put a year, but... It's I, part of a puzzle, isn't my, it? Yeah, yeah, my, my answer was it. Is, if you know the, the... I didn't actually know... I didn't it's know the, the chemical you used to get the halberd out. Okay. Uh, question number four comes from Welsh. It's our first ever true or false question. So, true or false, William Birkin is an umbrella executive. And finally, question number five. What letter was designated to Neo Umbrella's Chinese plan? Can you repeat that? Yeah. What letter was designated as Neo Umbrella's Chinese plan? So Neo Umbrella's plan was plan. Hmm. Well, that concludes the quiz. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. Have you been injured at work in an accident that isn't your fault? Then you could be entitled to compensation. We at Spencer & Co. specialise in personal injury claims. Just listen to this testimonial from Mr. X in Raccoon City. I worked for a pharmaceutical enterprise when I slipped on the floor. I fell headfirst into a drugs cabinet storing virus samples. There were no warning signs. I received $10,000 in compensation thanks to Spencer & Co. And I didn't even need to go to court. The company even paid for all my medical bills, including nasty blood tests. Afterwards, I was told that I was eligible for a product development promotion, and I'd be relocated to a tropical paradise island in the South Atlantic. Thank you, Spencer & Co. Call now on 0800 Biohazard, and we'll put you through to a specialist lawyer. Spencer & Co. Where there's blame... There's a claim. Spencer & Co. is a wholly owned entity of the Umbrella Corporation. Hello and welcome back to Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz Minus Newsy. So let's see how everyone's done. Question number one, which came from El Veltro. What is the name of Helena's handgun? I'll come to tie last. Uh, Batman. Did you know this one? Not got a clue. No. Uh, not got a clue. Sorry. Nope. George? Um, I've not got a clue. You said something about Voxel. Yes. And, and, and it begins with P, but... It's, it's a Toyota Prius, isn't it? Not a Vauxhall Prius. So I was going to say Prius. Prius, okay. Right. I'll, I'll say Picasso. Picasso. Ah, oh, yeah. Can I say Picasso as well, please? <laughs> <laughs> and Stars Tyrant, did you know this one? It came to me. It's Picador. It is Picador. Very good, very good. Vauxhall Picador? No. The second-hand dealership for Vauxhalls is Picador. Oh. At least it is round here. That wasn't really a helpful clue then, was it? Because I don't live in... Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's nationwide for Vauxhall Picador. I don't know. Anyway, well done, Stars Tyrant. Question number two came from Vito, which was at the end of Resident Evil 5, Chris and Co. escape on a helicopter. What number was painted on it? Stars Tyrant? I've just got O2 written. I've no idea. Okay. George Trevor? I've absolutely no idea. You're not going to hazard a guess. Uh, 88. And Batman? 69, dude. (laughs) (laughs) These are all guesses, aren't they? Yeah. By some amazing coincidence, one of you has got it right. Well done, George Trevor. I said I used to have a football shirt with 88 on it, and that was my nickname. Everyone used to call me 88. 
is 88. Well oh, done, George. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well done. That's just, yeah, wow. Question number three came from Detective Boulogard. There's a timeline question. What date was Rockford Island completed? Batman. Was it December the 8th? Okay. Uh, George? I've only got this. I've just put down December 93. December 93. And start. For some reason, I had the 6th to 88. I thought the code was 628. But yeah, I think Bats is right. I think you're right that you think Bats is right. Correct. Well done, Batman. That is December the 8th, that's the answer I was looking for. Oh, 128 then was the code, wasn't it? I guess good knowledge, though. Good knowledge. Question number four was from Welsh, true or false? William Birkin is an umbrella executive. George? Oh, God. Um, I just feel like this uh, This is a trick question. Is it? Is it a bluff? Is it a double bluff? You know. I'm going to just repeat that one more time, please. Was William Birkin an umbrella executive? Or is William Birkin an umbrella executive? True. Batman? Um... See, this this all comes down to some kind of translation, doesn't it? I'm going to say false, because surely completing the G-Virus, he thought it would get him a seat on the executive board. Okay. So I'm going to say false. And start down. Do I think William Birkin's on the board of directors? No, I don't. False. Correct, it is false. And for the exact reason Batman gave, he wasn't an executive. Very good. Points there for Batman and... I didn't think he was, but just, oh, I made myself... Think there was more to it than that. No, it's Welsh's conniving tricked you. And finally, what was uh, Neo Umbrella's Chinese plan designated as? What letter? Uh, start turn. C. Batman. Because it's the oh. C virus. Oh, okay. Batman. D. George. Yeah, I've got D. Plan D. It is Plan D. Very oh. good. Points for Batman and George Trevor there. Well, that concludes our first quiz in series two. So let's have a look at the final scores. And we start as we ended, really, let's be honest, with Batman taking a lead, scoring three points and winning the quiz. Well done. And George and Stars Tyrant with two. And a big congratulations really should go to Stars Tyrant. I think that's the highest you've ever got. In, in a single game. In a single game. Yes. <laughs> so congratulations. So there don't we go. Get, don't, don't get too excited, Bats. Oh, I won't. I've learned my lesson. There's always the very last round. <laughs> Excellent. So there we go. That concludes the quiz. Join us next time. We'll have some more questions. Wow, what a long podcast. I think it was worth it because obviously it's the big game, isn't it? If we've been, if we've been doing the podcast when Resident Evil 5 came out, we probably spent an equal amount of time anyway. So yeah, I mean, we're not going to be doing the podcast as quickly as we did prior to the release of, of this one. Uh, we're going to be slowing down and we hope to get one uh, another one done in November. I quite yeah. fancy doing Gun Survivor. Ooh, that one's coming. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Survivor's excellent. The story's brilliant. When you go back to it, it's not as bad as you think. We'll find out, we'll find out. Okay, well, um, sod it, we'll do Survivor next. Right, on that note, we'll end the podcast, and we'll look forward to uh, to any more comments, any more questions, feel free to PM me. Um, they're all, all, always useful, and if you want to say anything about Resident Evil Survivor, I think quite a well a well-liked game in the Project Umbrella universe, so uh, feel free to uh, MP3 comments to any of the staff members here, or, or Stars Tyrant, anyone be great so on that note i'll say goodbye from me neptune bye from me batman goodbye from me george trevor and goodbye from me stars tie